government that can censor its critics has license for every atrocity. It is the beginning of totalitarianism. There's never been a time in history when we look back and the guys who were censoring people were the good guy. So I hope everybody had a fantastic time. I did. It's an incredible inspiration. So the press has deemed Jason Aldean's song dangerous, irresponsible, and of course, racist. Aldean was forced to defend the song. Quote, in the past 24 hours, I've been accused of releasing a pro-lynching song, a song that has been out since May, and was subject to the comparison that I, direct quote, was not too pleased with the nationwide BLM protests. with resistance chicks we're your hosts leah and michelle it's friday which means we're going to bring you this week's headline news a couple of massive stories donald trump screens the sound of freedom in new jersey with jim caviezel and tim ballard and he loved it i mean he absolutely loved it then tim ballard did an interview with him afterwards then jason aldean's New country song. It's actually been out since May, but it's making a, a, a bit of a ruckus right now. Try That in a Small Town has been removed by the uh, CMT network for yeah, yeah, country music for being television. crazily right wing. Well, no, people are saying that it's racist. Yeah, and that it it has to do with uh, lynching and. I don't, I I listened to the song. I didn't get any of that. All right, so Leah. Then we've got uh, what is this prosecutor suspended for not using preferred pronouns? Yeah, of a pedophile. Of a pedophile. Yes. So pedophiles get preferred pro pronoun preferences. Yes, they do. Okay, so we've got that odd story and so much more coming up right after these messages. Don't go anywhere. We're going to have an awesome time tonight. SAT. Okay, so Leah, Robert Kennedy Jr. is running for president. He is. But he has been, you know, when we talk about the censorship and the ridicule and just the harsh treatment and unfair that has happened to Donald Trump, we also have seen that with Robert Kennedy Jr. Now, I may disagree with a lot of his politics. He is, he's a lefty, is what he is. Uh, but... I am very much in favor of what he stands for, especially when it comes He's to vaccines. He's an old school liberal. He is an old school liberal. The ones who actually were used to be anti-war. They used to actually before Free whatever speech. kind of they, the the left went to bat harder for Larry Flint. 
okay, than anything you'll ever see. That guy was a hardcore pornographer, and they were out there, and they said, it's free speech, it's free speech. I don't care how disgusting, perverted, vile you think something is. If it, you, Free speech isn't free speech unless you protect things you don't like, and blah, 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 blah. Well, today at this, or yesterday at the House hearing, you actually had Debbie Washerman Schultz come out and try to censure which you can't actually censure anybody who's not in Congress. Very, right, like uh, in the a witness, uh, try to censure Robert Kennedy Jr. because this week a video surfaced of him talking about the fur, the Thuron, Furon cleavage sites of COVID and how it affected certain people in certain ways and certain people less. Well, he, he made the mistake of saying the word Jew. Oh, dear God. So uh, a certain... As like a Shanti or whatever. So I'm going to get this all wrong. I'm going to call it an anti-Semitic because I don't know all the different kinds of Jewish people. I just thought they were all Jewish people. Okay. But there's a certain kind of Jewish people that seemed to not have the same kind of um, furon sites for the, for the, for COVID to the, the spike protein to latch mm -hmm. onto. So they did better. They fared better. That's what they, that's what they're, that's what the study said that he was quoting. Right. Well, somehow, and, and it was very interesting because he said that it affected um, white Caucasian people and black people more. And he said that uh, Asian people weren't quite as affected. So he said that we do know that um, countries are doing um, race-selected bio-warfare. Well, all of a sudden, I mean, his, his sister, everyone came out and was like, I denounce this racist, I denounce everything that he said, and I denounce, I denounce, I'm like, I am not catching your race. But early on, everyone was saying here. that the Native Americans were faring much worse. I know, but you can't say Here's you can't say that somebody's faring better, right? Okay, <laughs> because the opposite of faring worse would be to fare better, right? But you can't fare better, right? It, no, because then that would seem that you were on the, the side of you. You were. Not that, targeted. That somebody didn't want to target you, or but, but Jews is it? Hang on, though. It? Is it really racist? Or because Jews were working with the Asians. The lefties are all about saying that no one targeted anyone. This was just a natural occurrence, in a kind of a not out of a lab in Wuhan. That like because they are admitting that it came from a lab, but they're saying that it was just a mistake. That no one was behind it. It was just, you know, it was completely not nefarious. Yeah, exactly. So he he had a tough time yesterday, and I am I hope it was I hope it was a wake up call for him. Oh yeah, because yeah, because he's running in the Democrat Party, mm -hmm. and he actually was supposed to speak with at a Moms for Liberty event, and he had talked to one of the women on the phone. They had arranged it. And he was going to come and speak, and they had invited him to speak. Well. The, the left went crazy and said that, you know, the Moms for Liberty, even though they, um, they're for school choice, mm -hmm. they're anti-CRT, but they wanted Robert Kennedy Jr. to come and speak. Like, you go and speak. Sure. Well, that didn't look so good for his campaign, so they canceled it. So Robert Kennedy Jr. canceled it. Canceled yeah, it. and he said that he never knew about it, that a secretary had scheduled it. Whereas the Moms for Liberty spokesperson said, I talked to him on the phone about oh, it. And so he lied. Yikes. He lied to cover his 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 rear ring because he's trying to he's play trying both to walk sides. a fine line. He's trying to be kind, but when you recognize that Can't one side one side really 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 hates another side or group, then um, then you got to throw him under the bus. And and that's the whole point that that you know we're trying to get away from politics. 
But he did come as a as an invite for House Republicans to talk on censorship, and he came. And he actually had a good rapport. He has a kind of a friendship with Thomas Massey and uh, Jim Jordan. But I want to play this one clip. And actually, on our after show, if you guys check us on our uh, website, we're going to play a lot more clips. But this is just one clip where he talks about the, the historic need for free speech. What are the ramifications if we don't talk about it, if we don't expose it? And I only have 25 seconds, so Mr. Sauer, take it away. Federal censorship is not stood up to aggressively. It will expand to every corner of online discourse. Ms. Morris. It's, it's just this, I can't even believe this is a conversation. Like, this is not controversial or taboo. We live in the United States of America, and you have the right to say whatever you want, to print whatever you want, and to read whatever you want. Mr. Kennedy. A, a, a government that can censor its critics has license for every atrocity. It is the beginning of totalitarianism. There's never been a time in history when we look back and the guys who were censoring people were the good guys. All of us grew up reading Arthur Kessler, Robert Heinlein, Aldous Huxley, George Orwell, and they were all saying the same thing. Once you start censoring, you're on your way to dystopia and totalitarianism. And I know my time has expired, but Mr. Sauer, you said earlier, censorship is about power. Censorship is about control. And the entire progressive leftist agenda is about nothing more than dependency and control. That is why this is so empower important. With that, I yield back. You know, there's this idea that from the left, that there is speech that is as dangerous as literally physically harming someone. But mm -hmm. then at the same time, and if that were if that were the case, it would be really bad if, if your speech was as equal to harming someone. And yet, when it comes to drag, drag queen story hour, we are saying that their expression of free speech in front of children is physically, mm -hmm. physically and mentally harming the child. And they say, and they cry free speech, free speech, it's fine. Mm -hmm. So tell me how censoring Robert Kennedy Jr. from getting his truth and facts and, and a lot of times cited sources out there is any different than Drag Queen Story Hour, which I will actually tell you how it's different. One literally does harm the psyche of little children, and the other is, is, is based in facts and cited sources, whether you believe them or not, does not change the fact that a lot of times he is quoting studies, literal he, studies. He absolutely is. And this leads me to think about the indictment, uh, against, the different indictments against Donald Trump. Uh, they set a trial date for Donald Trump for May of 24. May of 24. So they're going to drag it out. The election. Yeah, they're going to just completely drag this the, whole thing out. The uh, Trump team actually wanted the trial to be after the election. Of course, because if you win, you just pardon yourself. And um, the prosecutors wanted it to happen really quickly. They want to charge Donald Trump with insurrection because nobody can run for president if they've been convicted of insurrection. Right. What we're seeing here is the total abuse of any sort of procedural procedural norms. And when the Republicans tried to work around or through or with the procedural uh, norms and calling on Mike Pence to not certify the electors, the world went berserko. Okay? But 
there's video out there. Do you guys remember when the Hollywood stars like Martin Sheen mm-hmm. asked the the uh, electors of the various states not to cast their vote for Donald Trump? Yes. Well, did you know that those there was a kind of a a self-appointed slate of electors for Republicans that kind of sent them anyways, the Republican slate, so that maybe okay. they could use them? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, they're all being charged with felonies. You're kidding. Grandmas. The average age is 70. No way. 70. Yeah. Who went ahead and sent their votes in? Who sent electors of a Republican state of election? But is it a felony? Yes, I guess it is. And here's the thing. The Republic, the, 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 it's the Democrat attorney general who that crazy left wing attorney general who, who feels like it's a, um, affront to her family to hear Christmas songs in the store. Oh, that one. (sighs) She is evil. Like Michigan, Michigan, Michigan flipped and went so evil. They they have such an election rigging uh, apparatus in Michigan. They did drop those hundred and thirty thousand ballots in the middle of the night. Donald Trump did win Michigan, right? And I can say that here on Brideon.tv and support Brideon.tv because I can say that here. If I wasn't right, it wouldn't matter. Mm-hmm. How many on the left, including? politicians said that Donald Trump was not the legitimate president. Right. Over and over and over and over From again. 2016. From 2016. Right. Over, you had Hillary Clinton, you had Maxine Waters, Nancy Pelosi even, not my commander in chief, not my president. Okay. We have to recognize that when it comes to like the hearing yesterday, they were pulling out all the stops so that Robert Kennedy Jr., you know, you know what they did to try to do at the beginning? They tried to have a motion that all cameras would be turned off and it would be behind closed doors. Get a, out. A hearing on censorship behind closed doors. <laughs> with, no, with the television not to, on so wow. people couldn't see it. Wow. It's 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 mind-boggling what they would do. Imagine if the Democrats were in, had been, ha, did have the majority in the House. Oh, yeah. Well, this, but I don't think this hearing would have taken place to start with, but yeah. Yeah, no, it, w- it would not have. And this was, it was really good. I'm going to play some more clips for you later. But... I want to move on to the sound of freedom. So Trump was urged, and I believe Donald Trump Jr. had something to do with this. Oh, I'm sure he did. Because there's a really great interview with, and I w- I've never watched Donald Trump Jr. interview anybody. He has a podcast. I didn't really know this. Didn't pay attention. Sorry, guys, if you did. It's but he always does. pushed on the other, uh, on another uh, network. On, we will mention. Yeah. Rumble, but it is Rumble. I know. So I saw that Donald Trump Jr. had Tim Ballard on, so I listened to it. And I was really impressed with the amount of empathy and emotion that I heard from Donald Trump Jr. that you can't really fake when it comes to kids, when it comes to kids being harmed, when it comes to um, kids with their genders being reassigned. And so I put together a compilation for you guys of not just Donald Trump's um, screening, where you've got Jim Caviezel there and Tim Ballard in the front row, But there is a, um, when Donald Trump is president again, 47, he has a anti-sex trafficking bill that he's going to sign. And one of the things that Tim Ballard says in the interview with Donald Trump Jr. is he was absolutely devastated when Donald Trump did not win in 2020 because they had set up and set in motion anti-sex trafficking wow. laws and regulations that would have, and the, and the wall. Probably not even just regulations, but expanding the reach of the United States government yes. into 
other nations well, to do that. what they need to do. Well, but even what American, what America could do. So he wanted, he wanted the wall. Ballard wanted the wall to funnel all of those sex traffickers through one port of entry, sure. so they could capture the sex traffickers and, 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 and rescue and, the kids. And rescue the kids. He also said that um, he that for every there's only one uh, child welfare or child trafficking unit for every five drug trafficking units. Mm. Well, we should you know have more sources resources rescuing kids. Yeah. So I want to go ahead and play this compilation because in the midst of all the bad things that are happening, this is a really good thing. Thank you all very much. That was incredible, Jim. That was unbelievable. Uh, what a job. So, President, a possibility. I mean, you made this the hottest movie anywhere in the world, so I think maybe becoming the president of Mexico, by comparison, right? So I just wanted to thank you all. That was unbelievable acting, and Tim, what a job you did. Great combination. Great combination. So I'm here with Tim Ballard. We're about to premiere the Sound of Freedom movie for Donald Trump and his friends tonight so we can spread the awareness on how to combat child trafficking. Tim, can you please tell the audience what can they do to help you in your cause? So we are launching a new project, a way to scale this as a solution. It's called the Spear Fund, and the Spear Fund collects resources and deploys them to whatever organization or group can get the job done. There's not one organization on the planet, and I love many, including the one I founded, OUR. I ran the Nazarene Fund for years. We need a fund that can deploy rapidly to whoever is the perfect rescuer for the perfect situation. The kids deserve it. So the spearfund.org, people can go there. Um, and we can we can do a, a good thing rescuing kids. So go to the spearfund.org, make sure to see the Sound of Freedom movie, and please, please spread the awareness about this film. I was thrilled to host a screening at Bedminster of the important new film, Sound of Freedom, about the power of faith in overcoming evil and in particular, the evil of child trafficking. Big problem. We had it down to the lowest number in many years, just four years ago, and now it's gone through the roof. Even though the fake news media has tried to ignore it, Sound of Freedom has been a national sensation and a colossal success at the box office. Really big numbers. Everyone should see it. This is a very important film. and. Very important movie, and it's a very important documentary all wrapped up in one. It's really about an issue that has to be discussed. Under my leadership, we did more than any administration in history to combat human trafficking and to end modern-day slavery. In one of my first acts in office, I signed an executive order targeting transnational criminal organizations that traffic and exploit innocent people. I signed the Frederick Douglass Trafficking Victims Prevention and Protection Reauthorization Act, authorizing $430 million to fight sex and labor trafficking. 
I signed legislation to crack down on foreign countries who are not meeting standards for eliminating trafficking, of which there are many. I also signed into law the Abolish Human Trafficking Act, which strengthened programs supporting survivors and provided more resources for ending modern slavery. We do have modern slavery, if you can believe it. Additionally, I created the first ever White House position focused solely on combating human trafficking. And perhaps most importantly, we created the most secure border in U.S. history by far, dealing a major blow to the cartels and traffickers. We built hundreds of miles of wall. We renovated hundreds of miles of wall. We never had anything like it. And then I got Mexico free of charge to give us 28,000 soldiers to protect us from people coming into our country illegally. When I am back in the White House, I will immediately end the Biden border nightmare that traffickers are using to exploit vulnerable women and children. We will fully secure the border. I will wage war on the cartels, just as I destroyed the ISIS caliphate, 100% gone, 100% destroyed. They'll come back now because we have a weak administration. I will use Title 42 to end the child trafficking crisis by returning all trafficked children to their families, in their home countries, and without delay. And I will urge Congress to ensure that anyone caught trafficking children across our border receives the death penalty immediately. And that includes also for women, because women, as you know, are number one in trafficking. Children are actually number two. I want to thank Eduardo, Jim, Tim Ballard, and everyone else involved in this film for their incredible efforts and their great genius. Together, we will end the scourge of human trafficking, and we will defend the dignity of human life. Thank you very much. You know, the death penalty for sex trafficking. When he said that, I was like, all right, let's talk, Trump, seriously. Because you all know how we, Lee and I have been about Trump since the vaccine. Mm -hmm. uh, not a fan, really. Um, although I don't see that there's going to be anyone else for the nomination. I don't foresee that at all, actually. Not even Ron DeSantis. I think Ron DeSantis's run for 2024 is actually his run for 2028. And it's just mm -hmm. a prep for that. Um, however, when you're talking about playing ball with the big boys and you make a statement like that, that's a pretty intense statement from Donald Trump. Right. And that I, that I don't even know how you back up a guarantee like that. I don't know. I mean, that seems like, isn't that a state issue? I believe it is. Yeah, I believe it is. I, he would you know, so it, it would think. have to be highly encouraged, not really. So I think that's why he can make a heavy statement like that, because it's not something he can back up federally. Yeah. However, I like it. And I'm glad yeah. that Donald Trump had this screening in New Jersey. And I'm also very glad that um, Tim Ballard and Jim Caviezel are supporting Trump. I am. I am glad um, that they are. Yeah, Jim Caviezel is more than just supporting Trump. Okay, so you guys may have seen the video with Brian Kilmeade in the morning, this morning or yesterday morning, where he said Donald Trump is Moses. I may be Jesus, but Donald Trump is Moses going to uh, let my people, people go. go. And what he's saying about that is he's saying that he's going to end sex trafficking. And I believe that Jim Caviezel believes that he would because of the promises that Donald Trump has made, that Donald Trump Jr. has made. You know, these people are talking behind the scenes. Jim Caviezel, Tim Ballard. Tim Ballard has met with the president. Multiple uh, times, long he's before. friends with Donald freedom. Trump Jr. These are things that they've talked about, things that they want to get on the books, things that they want to, to, to really bring an end to this. And if you just made a movie and you've, well, not just, but if you've made a movie about this and, and 
Jim Caviezel is still seeing this, these screams of these kids and nobody cares. Any, not a single one of the other Republican candidates would do anything to stop it. Right. I don't know how much Donald Trump cares per se about stopping it, but he cares that you care. <laughs> he does. And that's the way he works. I'm telling you. Okay. Um, he cares that you care and he cares that Donald Trump Jr. cares. And he, and he, I think, let me rephrase what you said there. Mm. Donald Trump cares, but I've not actually seen, and this is, I've been going for six years. I don't see that Trump has a strong empathetic bone. Mm. He just doesn't have that empathy. And I think it's what creates a great president in the sense that he's able to shut off kind of emotions from getting really, really deep into him. Mm. So he's not a heavily emotional guy to begin with. Mm -hmm. So when you say he doesn't care, I think he totally cares, but he cares about it as much as he cares about any of these other issues that like this is an issue that we have to get done, but he's not em emotionally invested in it the way that Jim Caviezel is, or most I, of us who have seen the film. Know, when I saw Donald Trump Jr. talk to Tim Ballard, he, he there was a lot There's of emotion. There's a lot of emotion. A type right? of like an empathy. Yeah, right. But sure. if Donald Trump was a an overly emotional person, he, he would not have lasted. We wouldn't be able to take these hits. Exactly. So it's you, you really have to sacrifice one to, to do yeah. the other. But you don't have to sacrifice is good organic quality products. So we want you guys to go to the Brighton store. Brightonstore.com. Use promo code CHICKS and save 5% and fill your body with the most amazing um, nutrients that you possibly can. That is why we support the Brighton store. We buy products from the Brighton store yes, and you do. should too. So don't go anywhere because right on the other side of this break, we've got so much more from this week's headline news, including Jason Aldean's song, Try That in a Small Town. All right, so, you know, I'm not, we do not listen to secular music very often. If not we do, often. it's with a purpose, like this this song that we're about to, to talk about here. Yeah. Um, I listened to it for the first time today, even though it's been being talked about for days, right? And it is a very catchy tune. Mm -hmm. It's a lot slower than I expected it to be. And I didn't see anywhere in the video any sign of racism or lynch. Where did they get this lynching idea Try from? that in a small town. And basically, uh, because you're seeing um, vi video footage of what happened during 2020 with the Antifa and BLM riot. Sure. And, you know, police officers were killed. Mm -hmm. He's references uh, old women being carjacked. Mm -hmm. He references spitting in a police officer's face. He references holding up... Uh, a liquor store owner uh, by, you know, with a gun. And he doesn't re reference any sort of race. But what he does reference is the fact that if you were to try these types of things in a small town, now it does get a little intense. He's like, we will defend our own. Yeah. Like, it's kind of like, try this, try it and see what we will do. But BLM and Antifa did not go into any small towns. Right. They only went into big cities, gunless big cities. Right. Uh, where they knew that they would get some pushback. And you did have Kyle Rittenhouse who did some pushback. Mm -hmm. So I actually put together a compilation. Uh, Jesse Waters talks about it. We have a little bit of the video. And then I have uh, a couple people giving their take on this at the end. So let's roll this. Back in the summer of love, peaceful protesters caused $2 billion worth of damage. Rioters blew up America's cities, kind of like the Secret Service blew up Hunter's bag of Coke. Kaboom. And now they want to act like nothing happened. But country music superstar Jason Aldean remembered what happened in the summer of 2020. He released a song, Try That in a Small Town. So the press has deemed Jason Aldean's song dangerous. 
irresponsible, and of course, racist. Aldean was forced to defend the song. Quote, in the past 24 hours, I've been accused of releasing a pro-lynching song, a song that has been out since May, and was subject to the comparison that I, direct quote, was not too pleased with the nationwide BLM protests. Try that in a small town, for me, refers to the feeling of a community that I had growing up, where we took care of our neighbors, regardless of differences of background or belief. But Aldean's explanation didn't matter. Country music television, CMT, announced it was pulling the music video from the airwaves. They canceled it. Sidewalk, carjacking old lady at a red light. Pull a gun on the owner of a liquor store. You think it's cool, act the fool if you like. Cuss out a cop, spit in his face. Stomp on the flag and light it up. Yeah, you think it's tough. Well, try that in a small town. See how far you make it down the road. are dropping their own crops for the day a friend is in need and they've come to help it's what this community and a lot of our communities stand for somebody needs some help you'll get it so i'm not much of a country music fan so i had to look at the lyrics to the jason aldean song that's now like the number one song on itunes and i thought it was kind of offensive that people thought that it was racial and when i watched the music video yeah there were some black people in it but there were white people in there acting a fool Think about Canosa and Kyle Rittenhouse and the two people he killed and the one that survived. Those people were white. When I think about people burning flags and the other kind of stuff, I'm thinking about like Antifa people. Have you ever seen a bunch of those mugshots? They're white people. <laughs> no, I can't understand people reaching to get that particular conclusion about the song. Um, do you really think that a lot of the riots and craziness that went on would have been able to happen in the suburbs or in a small town? There's a lot of bad policies across the country in major cities that encourage crime and people act a fool. And so to me, it kind of seems like people are upset that Aldine was like, we wouldn't allow you to victimize our loved ones. Sucker punch somebody on the sidewalk, carjacking old lady at a red light. 
Pull a gun on it on a rubber liquor store You think it's cool, but act a fool if you like Curse out a cop, spit in his face Stop on the flag and light it up Yeah, you think it's tough But try that in a small town I see how far you make it down the road Around here we take care of our own You cross that line, it won't take long For you to find out, I recommend you don't But try that in a small town so, oh my gosh, that is so fun. I was like that, like uh, these two black people at the end were like, um, I find it racist that you, you think thought that black that people did all that. Actually, it was a bunch of white folks. That if, 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 if somebody was saying, if you're going to be, you know, holding up a liquor store, carjacking a grandma, an old lady, right. that it's going to be a black person. <laughs> Y'all are racist. So, and it is a bunch of white people saying that this song is racist, by the way. Well, like, and black people. No, but too. I'm just saying, yeah. like, by no, and large. All the women on The View, like Whoopi Goldberg. And no, no, no. Chick. But I'm saying, by and large, who controls all of these newspapers that I yeah. was reading before we came on today? And I'm reading all oh, of these Washington news articles. Post, they're Dime, all a bunch Fox, of white people. Guardian. Yeah, they're all white people saying that it's racist. And so, basically, when they, when they see a carjacker, they see a black person. And you know this whole. And so they're saying basically, if you start doing crime in our town, yeah, you're probably a black person. Black. That's so racist. This other black lady was like, um, all these people were white people anyway. So how well, is no, that like racist? part of them were too. And so Antifa. So it's, um, what I, I I put in the song with the black guy at the end singing it because you know there are plenty of black people in the south that love country music. Not only do they love country music, but they hate violence. Yeah. Come on, man. They. Every time they try to censor something or go woke, it ends up bad for them. It's ended up bad for Bud Light. It's ended up bad for Maybelline. It's ended up bad for Nike. And now Jason Aldean's song has shot from number 11 to number one. Oh, okay. shocker there. Now people that don't even listen to country music are going to be like, hey, I like Jason Aldean. Maybe I'll buy his album. It's Maybe the, I'll listen to his song. It's end effect. We've now all heard it. I exactly. Gonna, I would know. never have gone to listen to that song. I would not have known it was number 11. I could not care less, honestly. Yeah. I don't listen to that music. Mm -hmm. But now I'm like, I'm not playing that song. There's a curse word in the middle one, of it, though. One, that's why I cut it out. Yeah, good job. Yeah, the next verse was about um, my granddaddy gave me a gun. You want to come and try to take it? Try that in a small town. Come on. <laughs> and you notice, like you said earlier, they did not try this garbage in small towns. And you know why? It kind of makes you wonder just how pre-planned this stuff is. Because it takes someone smarter than these idiots that yeah. do that kind of garbage to make the decision not to do it in a small town. Yeah. Because if they did, we would be looking at a civil war, essentially, right? right? Because people are not gonna put up with this kind of violence. They will shoot someone that comes to their home and lights up their store with a Molotov cocktail, Yeah, right? So I think that it just goes to show you it's specifically planned and targeted by someone way bigger than just the little thugs. Yeah, so I do want to let you guys know that there is a new law. Um, in Illinois, there's a new there's a new gun law, and it's it it's it's pretty it's pretty crazy now, and it, things have changed. So you guys need to know. Let's see, Illinois assault weapon bans goes to the Seventh Circuit. 
trying to find, we were talking with our friends, Robert and Jamie. You know, we're actually really, here we're in Ohio and we're yeah. very close to Illinois. Mm -hmm. I mean, a lot of our clients travel often home to Illinois. It, that's how close it is. So for us to have now constitutional carry yeah. right here in Ohio, and then essentially kind of next door, it's not really, but but it feels like it because we're so close to Illinois, mm -hmm. we have so many people that are from there. Yeah. For them to then pass a, a, a radical law, anti-gun law, is to me quite astonishing. Yeah, so it's an assault, quote unquote, and I really hate when they when they call them um, assault weapon bans. So basically, if you have Is it a baseball bat, could, couldn't it be considered an assault weapon? You because have you can an assault AR-15. So gun control was on the docket. Um, I think this is this article is from the end of June, but I know that it went into effect very recently. So the Illinois assault weapon ban went went before the Seventh Court of Appeals. The popularity of the weapons law proposes to ban. Uh, could play a crucial role in the decision. Assault-style rifles like the popular AR-15 remain hanging on gun store walls while the fate of the state ban, ha ban hangs in the balance. Um, there was a three-member panel that heard arguments uh, from attorneys involved in six consolidated lawsuits challenging the ban. Deputy Solicitor General Sarah Hunger argued for the state and said of the AR-15s, they are not in common use for self-defense. They are instead offensive and militaristic. Supporters of the state's assault weapon ban include a survivor of the Highland Park parade shooting. Um, it's very interesting that they liked, they, it's because it's a scary looking gun. It shoots like any other rifle. rifle. It's not an assault rifle. And the second amendment was not for self-defense. Exactly. It was not for hunting. It was just a, it's a natural right to be able to own a weapon. Exactly. <laughs> because you, you a, a well-ordered militia uh, is what the Constitution says, and the right to bear arms. The right to bear arms. They didn't specify what type of arms. Shall. And what, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so the Supreme Court has ruled against certain laws. I think there was a New York one recently. And I'm hoping that this makes uh, a. I'm hoping that this makes big waves because the assault on all of our constitutional rights, whether it's the gun laws, whether it's free speech, we need to stand up for them. Exactly. And I, I thought to myself, I literally was thinking to myself because we have a few. We 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 have some AR-15s, and I'm like, what would we do? I don't. I'm not getting rid of my guns. Exactly. Like that, that's that's what brought me up in this. That's what brought it up in the song. Like, no, no, I'm not. You're not going to turn me into a criminal. You're so, not going to turn me into a criminal. I have a constitutional right right now to have this this gun, this weapon, right. and you're not going to take it from me. You're not going to make me a criminal. Right. Because that's what these laws are trying to do. They're trying to make you a law abiding citizen who has done nothing into a criminal. This is this, and and these were these are what these laws are intended to do, and you know we under understand that yes, elections are important and voting is important, but we've been doing a lot of stuff on our shows with Corey Gray recently and recognizing that God will answer all the prayers of a righteous nation. Come on, oh boy! And if we are have if we're struggling all the time to just hold on to our God given rights. 
then what the heck is going on in this country? Do you know that then America is the number one destination for sex trafficking and child pornography? The number one destination. Mm. Do you know that 50, th th there are different statistics for each age demographic that yeah. range from 50 to 90% of men that are addicted to pornography. Yeah. I am telling you something, guys, how do we clean up our nation? We have actually 50%, there's, there's a statistic that says 50% of some women are addicted to pornography in certain age demographics. Wow. So guys, we have to get it together. God is not going to honor. So it wasn't enough getting rid of abortion. Great. And we still haven't gotten rid of it on every state level. Yeah. Okay. There are things that we have to do as a nation in order for God to be able to answer our prayers. And number one, it starts with taking care of your own family, your own household, and your own sins. And mm -hmm. if you continue to do things like send your child to public school to be raised by Caesar and you come back surprised that they are uh, little Romans wandering around. Guys. We have to get our houses in order. And then as a, a righteous nation, we can then change these laws. I'm telling you, the election integrity will fall into place. Everything that we are trying to do will fall into place when we become a righteous people. And guess what, guys? Stop pointing the finger because each and every single one of us have something in our lives that we can get right. So I do have an update. I've been trying to find an update on this. The Illinois assault weapons ban could be on the chopping block, at least uh, temporary, uh, temporarily. This is from July 17th. Uh, the president of a gun rights group is hoping Justice Amy Coney Barrett will grant his application for an emergency injunction, which would temporarily suspend Illinois' semi-automatic rifle and high-capacity magazine ban. They're going to strike this down and send Naperville and the state of Illinois packing, says Dudley Brown, the president of one of the plaintiffs, the NRA, uh, in, oh, N-A-G-R. Uh, National Association for Gun Rights. The emergency petition for the case, the National Association for Gun Rights versus the city of Naperville, made it to Baird's desk after lower courts denied temporary restraining orders to block an Illinois law and local ordinance banning the sale of high-capacity magazines and assault weapons. We've been going through the process of trying to save the local gun business and get rid of these gun controls, so we appealed to the Supreme Court. Uh, the U.S. Uh, Court of Appeal for the Seventh Circuit is reviewing the case but joined a lower court in denying a temporary restraining order and a preliminary injunction to block the bans. Barrett, who hears the applications for the Seventh Circuit, asked both sides for more information. So wow. we'll see where that goes. This is a very interesting case. I want to talk about the these the slippery slope is where it, we're down in the mire and the slime. When a pedophile, a known pedophile, wants you to call him her because he's sick and twisted, and wants to be in, in jail with other women, even though he's raping girls. We have gone too far. And this is a prosecutor who was suspended for, for um, not going along with this criminal pedophile's fetish. I want, you to, I want you to see this and then we'll talk about it. L.A. County Deputy District Attorney Shay Santa was suspended for not using the preferred pronouns of a transgender child molester that he was prosecuting. Shay joins me now. Shay, I guess George Gascon is a millennial at heart, but so uh, now we have to worry about the feelings of a child molester. That's where we are That's in California. Correct. That's correct. Um, I was suspended because I used the, I didn't use the preferred pronouns of a child molester when I presented evidence that the child molester was gaming the system. There was um, a defendant James Tubbs, 
who his MO was going into public restrooms and attacking little girls as young as four years old up to 10 years old. He was convicted. He pled guilty. There's no dispute. And when George Gascon refused to try James Tubbs as an adult, he put him in a juvenile facility and then tried to force me to recognize James Tubbs as a female so he'd be placed with little girls in a juvenile facility. Uh, and by telling him that we were all being played and I had recordings that James Tubbs was faking it, uh, I was suspended for not using the preferred pronouns. So... <laughs> This is ins I mean, people watching this across the country, Shay, they're, they're, they're shaking their heads. Uh, they're, they're throwing up their hands going, what happened to California? What happened to the great state of California? The golden state is now go somewhere else state. Um, Shay, it's, it's shocking, but thank you for fighting and thank you for being there as a voice of sane people. You have an enormous amount of support. So we're going to be following this very closely. Thank you. Absolutely. Insanity. So he's not transgender, and she even referred to this pedophile man as a transgender. Hey, guess what? They're criminals. Don't you think they lie? We don't. This is no. Listen, we know there's no such thing as transgender. Period. But there are some sick, broken people out there who may need some some mental help. But what is this that this person is now being put with the juvenile? So it's not just preferred pronoun; it's pre preferred age. I don't know. I mean, this. It's, okay. I am telling you guys something. This is straight up demonic. It is satanic. In California, the demonic powers that be would like to have children continue to be molested and raped. Yes. And so it is, go so again, back to us being righteous as a nation. In order for us to pull down these rulers and principalities, right. we have to be righteous ourselves. Right. It doesn't work otherwise. Right. No, this is crazy. That's crazy. Speaking of crazy, I've got a, um, I have a Biden clip for you this week, and I would like for us all to um, analyze this and see what great mysteries we are going to learn from Joe Biden today. Okay. And we brought Israelis and Palestinians together at a political level, and they are, uh, and uh, at the uh, and Shram. Yes. And uh, as I. Uh, Affirmed the Prime Minister. Oh no! He's tired. I hadn't he's, seen this clip. He's asleep. He's sleeping. He's got that twilighty. He's asleep. He's literally asleep. So I have visited older people in the nursing home just yeah. hundreds, hundreds of times you know, in my time life. To go. They're sleeping. And it's time to go. You're. They're having a. You're yeah, having like, a conversation. They, and their eyes start to go, and their head nods, and they start, and you're crying, and you're like, and you literally walk out the room, and they boom, they fall asleep. They're not. They're not with you anymore. And the and the president of Israel is sitting there like I have to nod my head. He literally goes from talking about kind of talking uh, to they're running out of adrenochrome because of the sound of freedom. I film. guess so. They aren't pumping Biden with it anymore. Uh, they have given up. I guess it only goes so far. He's running for 2024. He's sleeping. For <laughs> There's a lot of adjectives that you could use. Okay. All right. That so, is a sleeping president. So I do want to break something on the show tonight before we let you go. 
We did an interview last night that you can find on our Brighteon.com mm. channel Yes, that is going to blow your mind about an update from East Palestine. We interviewed two women, Karen Johnson and Elizabeth Retray, mm -hmm. about the disposal of the waste from East Palestine. I want mm -hmm. you to watch that video and I want you to share it with everyone that you know. There mm -hmm. is a giant cover-up and this story is bigger than even just East Palestine. So go yeah. to resistancechicks.com or the Resistance Chicks channel on Brighteon.com find the video and watch it and share it. This interview is breaking and it is exclusive. Yes. No one else has had this interview, but Leah and I, we are the very first one. So you need to share this one and we'll see you right here on brighteon.tv next week. We love you guys. God loves you. God bless. Take care. Back to Resistance Chicks. We're your hosts, Leah and Michelle. It's Friday, July 21st, 2023. We just came off of a, another amazing, phenomenal, fantastic, did I use enough Trump words? Mm. Show from the Brighteon.tv network that I absolutely love. And we were talking about all of the things that we're going to talk about again, but now we'll go into more more detail. Yeah. Donald Trump screening the, the sound of freedom. Yeah. I listened to an interview today of Tim Ballard with a guy named, oh my gosh, I think his last name is Crease. Okay. Kyle. Kyle Crease. And essentially, I don't know who this guy is. What, from, from what I can gather, he's some sort of therapist or something. I don't know. Uh -huh. Some sort of super famous, like, self-help, okay. you know, kind of like rah, rah, rah. The whole crowd knows the, the routine, you know, okay. you see on the movies. And he takes, it was unexpected, I guess. Tim was supposed to come and speak at this event. And Tim says, why don't we just sit down and do a Q&A? And he does. And he takes him through a lot of psychological healing uh, from his past, and we find out, and I should just find this clip. I don't have it. Find this. Clip. We find out that, um, and some one of our viewers sent this to me, and I want to thank whoever that was. I can't remember. It was a, a I message. See this clip. In uh, okay, well, I can pull it up, but I don't. I won't have the timestamp for this this part, this story, because it was like an hour long thing. Mm -hmm. Tim Ballard was a young child, and he and his brother. Were almost were were uh, there was an attempted physical kidnap, really, of him and his brother because and especially if he almost wide. grabbed his his brother. Wow! And what comes out in this interview essentially, and he said, "I've never told that story to anybody before." Wow! Um, really? Yeah, it's super powerful. And and this guy, I think his name is Kyle, takes him through like, "What were you feeling in that moment?" And essentially, what comes out of this whole thing, which. I have to admit that the Kyle Kreese thing was a little cringe for me, a little bit too heavy on the therapy, what are feeling kind of thing. However, he did do a, he did therapy on on him, and he says I have felt that anger and that upsetness my entire life. He said that pit in my stomach that I felt at that time as a child has literally never left my body since then. Wow. Okay, and he said it has influenced everything that I do including rescuing children, like stopping. Like this is what, what almost happened to me and my brother is not going to happen to other children. And if it does, um, you know, I, I'm going to be the rescuer. Okay. Wow. Wow. And so there was just this whole thing. You guys can go wow. watch. I think it is, it is Kyle Kreese is his name. Go and watch the interview. Like I said, a little cringy on the, on the self-help stuff, but well, still maybe totally worth watching. Bring it up while in between some of the things that we're doing. But yeah, Donald Trump, and you can go ahead and bring up this clip. Donald Trump held a screening at Bedminster. How do you say it? Bedminster? Yes. Um, Something like it's that. It's a golf course in New Jersey. Yep. It's a Trump Trump uh, golf course. And 
I don't know exactly how it got put together, but you see Donald Trump with uh, the actors, Jim Caviezel, Tim Ballard. You've got um, the producer, the director, and Donald Trump was like mesmerized the whole movie. He sat there engaged the entire movie. And then as in presidential fashion, he thanks them, calls them up, shakes their hand, and you have to see this. I guess we're allowed to play Donald, Donald Trump. I guess now. now we are allowed to play him, yes, uh, supposedly. All right, let's rewind this here. Thank you all very much. That was yeah. incredible. Jim, that was unbelievable. Uh, what a job. Woo! So, a president, uh, impossibility. Yeah. Yeah. He was calling him president. Anywhere in the world. He's, so, and I so think he maybe got a becoming the president Trump. of Mexico by comparison, right? So I just wanted to thank you all. That was unbelievable acting. And Tim, what a job you did. Somebody's going to do it. And you did. And you did. And you did. It. Great combination. Beautiful combination. So our friend Mark Pierce says this was put together by Trump well, asking Mel Gibson it. at it's, a UFC uh, fight. Something that I'm not sure that. if you're supposed to enjoy or learn. It's a combination, but it's uh, that was a great movie, and uh, I now understand why it's doing so well. It's setting records, by the way. It's being uh, the biggest movies out. They have some of the big summer blockbusters, and this is uh, knocking the socks off of them. So that's pretty good. Uh, I'd love to have your potential. What potential? Anybody want to make a movie? Because I think Jim maybe will be available, but maybe not so long. It is an incredible thing that uh, two movies, and you've done others, but two movies, two of the biggest, I guess the two biggest independents ever done. And uh, it was an honor getting to know you. And I even agreed to do a podcast for somebody. Who is that somebody? Is that you, Tim? Well, and he did do the podcast with Tim. And, and so I hope everybody had a fantastic time. I did. It's an incredible inspiration. And you guys are something very special. Thank you very much. Thank you for being here. Come back anytime. Thank you very much. So that was really good. Super fun. Leah, do you have another one? I do. Um, I think that I wanted to play this particular clip and go to my Twitter. Donald Trump helped showcase the Sound of Freedom film about child trafficking. And then Great job, Mr. President. We played this one on right now. I know, but I'm just going to play it. Okay. I think she just wants to source some water. I need a sound of freedom. So I'm here with Tim Ballard. We're about to premiere the Sound of Freedom movie for Donald Trump and his friends tonight so we can spread the awareness on how to combat child trafficking. Tim, could you please tell the audience? What can they do to help you in your cause? So we are launching a new project, a way to scale this as a solution. It's called the Spear Fund, and the Spear Fund collects resources and deploys them to whatever organization or group can get the job done. There's not one organization on the planet, and I love many, including the one I founded, OUR. I ran the Nazarene Fund for years. We need a fund that can deploy rapidly to whoever is the perfect rescuer for the perfect situation. The kids deserve it. So the spearfund.org, people can go there. 
um, and we can we can do a, a good thing in Mexican kids. So go to thespearfund.org, make sure to see the Sound of Freedom movie, and please, please spread the awareness about this. So it's spear, S-P-E-A-R, fund.org. All right, and this is a really great podcast. I'm just going to bring up uh, the Donald Trump Jr. podcast for a little bit to give you a taste of where I think the Trump administration would go um, with ending child trafficking. Hang on. I want you to be prepared and owning mm, tangible... Yeah, 2002 to 2013, I was a special agent, undercover operator for... I actually want to go Department towards the end Security. here. But they're not. They're not, and they need to. They're, they're, they need to be exposed. I mean, they need to do more. They need to be more proactive. In, what what could they do to be proactive? Because, again, you see it. You've seen the stories about people being like, this is my child. Please take it off. You're distributing. Right. We're not going to do that. We, I mean, Twitter fought a lawsuit about it. Right. When it was cl like clear, I, I don't they're, know they're, the exact deal, but it seemed like there was clear evidence that this was minor. Here's the police case. Here's, we're not going to remove that. It's, it's like, wait a minute. Like, like. I know if I say something like that's conservative, they, they would have right, doxed me and, and, and rip me off. But so, you know, how how do they become more proactive? How do we force them to become more proactive on the issue? Because it seems like they're pretty laissez-faire. I need people, people need to get loud. There's tools that exist. Like, for example, there's a group called Humans Against Trafficking out of San Diego. Amazing. And they created this software that actually it's, it's using AI technology and it goes in and it finds kids who are being groomed. And instantly, based on like, okay, the kid's depressed, the kid's saying things like, my parents hate me, the kid's showing less and less clothing and more and more skin tones, right? It picks it up, it goes into the comments instantly. Oh, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a photographer, can I meet you for a, for a shoot? Interesting. And it's so, so, so some of this is not like just a kid that gets picked up and snatched. There's almost an evolution yes. of the kid, and these groups prey on those those social oh, weaknesses, absolutely. on the insecurities. Right. They know exactly what to do. They know exactly who to look for. And then it's just, meet me at the studio, sweetie, and that's it. They're gone. They're gone. And um, and I know the the group is uh, Humans Against Trafficking. They took it to they took it to the big tech, and they said no. They here get for free. Yeah. I thought, I'm not even going to sell it to you. Take it and use it, and now you can help these kids who are vulnerable. Preventative rescues. No, we don't want anything to do with this. So the people got to get loud. We got to push. It. The tools do exist. Yeah. They're just not willing to put them out there. So you know, what's your response to you know, Rolling Stone magazine? We touched on it a little bit earlier, but when they're <laughs> like, the movie gives a false perception of child trafficking. I mean, what's like, like, God, man, it. Honestly, it's hard to like maintain composure. You want to like, me you know, take this person and be like. Listen, a, f uh. a false perception. The problem is I was there and yeah. many others were there and we filmed it. A documentary is coming out called Triple Take. Angel Studios putting out What's showing Triple Take. Triple Take. Okay. And it's just like, what do you mean a false perception that what they're doing? They're saying, well, trafficking looks like something different sometimes in other countries. Sure, sure. that's fine. Sure. But this is a true story and this is how it happened and how it's still happening here. Um, so it's, it's all smoke and mirrors, though. It's all just trying to distract and try to discredit for, I think, like I said, they don't want to have the, the larger conversation about how their agendas are hurting kids. Yeah. How does, you know, how does the trafficking issue, and you mentioned, you know, your wife and, you know, when, when she brought up her, her salvation. Yeah. You know, how does faith come into it? Because it does feel like there's also the same groups attacking that or the same groups attacking faith. That's right. And, and, and decency across that. How, do, how does that play in it for you? Everything for me. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do any of this if it weren't for the sentiment that my wife expressed to me about her submission. I, I, I believe that as well. Um, in fact, there's, and, and they keep calling this film a faith-based movie, and I, I wouldn't call it that. I would say that, 
you know, the people behind it certainly are. Mm -hmm. um, but it's, this is really just a, a based on a true story. But, um, you know, Jim Caviezel says a line in the film. It's one of my favorite scenes, and he ad-libbed the line. And um, he, he leaned across the table before this pedophile, I don't want a spoiler alert, but leans across the table and, and looks at this pedophile in the eyes and ad-libs this line. And he says, he just says, better than a millstone be hung about your neck and you tossed to the bottom of the sea than that you should hurt one of these little ones, quoting Matthew 18. And the actor who was playing the pedophile didn't know what to do, and they caught him. His, his, his reaction is, on, is what the final take was, and he's like, what? What does that mean? And then Jim kind of smiles at him, and the cops come in. Um, but for me, I, I was so blessed to hear that line because I, I repeat that line to myself. I am a person of faith. I believe that I know that God, where God stands on this, I mean, this is Jesus speaking violence, mm -hmm. but it's righteous violence. This is mafioso. This is cement shoes kind of stuff, right? He's saying, he's saying better than a millstone, and you sink to the sea, right? So I, I feel like, okay, I can take some courage then. Mm -hmm. I, I think Jesus doesn't like this very much, <laughs> yeah. and God doesn't like this, and I feel like I, I can take courage that I can go to dark places and have that backing. Because if I didn't have that or I didn't believe that, I'm telling you, I, I wouldn't do it. I'd be too scared. So <laughs> is it that the critics don't understand is it that they don't want to understand you know again what's missing like i i've seen some crazy stuff in the last few years of my life right it was it changed drastically when we got into politics but like again i still can't fathom a point where this isn't a hundred percent issue let's say minus the people who are actually partaking yeah. in it you know when things are so irrational and that this might sound extreme but it's what I, I mean when things are so irrational that we can't make sense of them, where why wouldn't you all be a part of this? Again, even eight years ago, Rolling Stone, The Guardian, all those who were attacking us, applauded the very operation. They reported on the October 11th, 2014 operation that is the film, that, you know, that's this real story. They reported on it. Spiritual warfare is real. That's what I believe. And so sometimes you just look at it like this is, we're, 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 this is, this is beyond just the physicality. Yeah. There's, something, there's things we can't even see going on that are influencing good and evil. And I feel like that line is getting clearer and clearer, and there's less and less middle ground as we move forward right now. That's really good. Are, are there people in, you know, in government currently that are, that are helping on this issue? Do you think that the movie will wake up some of those people to, to make it a priority, right? Or, or is that not even going to happen because there's just I think it's, it's not a happen. priority for I think it's going to happen I think everybody for example I'm, my, my, my bias and my connection was Homeland Security investigations where I came from I've never met anyone who's who's in the leadership that I've had access to who didn't say we got to switch this we can't have five drug right. agents every anti-trafficking agent switch it it's, you know mix it make it make it stronger so I think they're there but they're not getting from the top it has to start from the top yeah so I hope 2024 sees some massive changes. I would love to have someone come back in like your father did and say, this is priority. Yeah. Children are number one. Well, it, so I think they signed, what was it, nine pieces of like bipartisan legislation, oh, yeah. you know, at the time yeah. on that. Yeah. You know, what were some of those? Which ones were effective? Which ones could be effective but haven't been implemented, et cetera? So, so that we can, you know, again, a lot of people watch this. Hopefully the movie, every just people talking about that creates that sense of urgency, right? Nothing happens in Washington, D.C. if people aren't loud. Once they start getting loud, then it becomes a priority. So the, the whole point of the legislation that came out of that administration was trying to change that number. You only have, you have five drug agents to everyone, and that's somewhat anecdotal. Everyone in anti-trafficking, switch it. So it was about, it was increasing the budgets for anti-trafficking work. Mm -hmm. And that's what was happening. And, you, you, and it was also enforcing the border. Enforcing the border is saving kids. 
And so these, these all, all that, also, I mean, your father, it was over $300 million, I believe. It was an insane amount of money that yeah. went directly into things like aftercare services. We, we have a huge lack of beds in the United States for victims, for survivors of human trafficking. And that was all shifting. It was all moving. Things were changing. I told you I was in a, me a meeting, like I said, in October 2020 in the Roosevelt Room. Uh, and we were, we were hatching a plan that yeah. had, 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 um, had Donald Trump been, been reelected. That plan would have gone into effect. And it would have rescued tens of thousands of kids. I, I mean, I was going to be put in the point of it. I know what happened. I was devastated. For that alone, mm -hmm. I, I weep for the children who weren't going to get saved because of that. And I, I know it sounds dramatic, and people are no, going like, to like, like, hit me for this and try to cancel me. But why, I don't but care. Guess what? <laughs> if they do, I promise you, maybe Rolling Stone will have their take, and maybe The Guardian or one of these leftist organizations will have their take. I promise you the people will not. But you, you brought up an interesting point just there, which was, you know, I'm thinking about, well, you rescued the kid. Great. Well, what's next? Right. I mean, after a child has been through this, right? Not just kidnapping, but like, you know, brutalized and raped in, in many cases for years or right. hundreds of times. Right. Can that child ever expect to recover? I mean, obviously it's going to be different per, every yeah. person's going to react yes. differently, but you know, how much of this is not just, you know, finding and rescuing kids, but how much has to go into it afterwards? Because I can't imagine, I mean, we talk about PTSD, imagine what, oh. I mean, it, 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 I, I can't even fathom that, what that could do to a well, psyche. There is no rescue until that until there's healing. In fact, yeah. the, the first every every time I've been running any organization, whether or any operation, whether it's through OUR or or the Nazarene Fund or whatever, the aftercare piece comes first. We we sit down and that's the plan we, we design first. Yeah, because I guess yeah. I mean, I would think you know you'd have children that are suicidal if you get if you take them Absolutely. and nothing happens. Like, what oh. else are they going to do? They they know no other life probably after. Oh, I mean, if you do operations without aftercare, you're actually doing a, you're, it's a net negative because I've seen it happen where they, oh, we did a rescue and everyone runs home and the kid gets two days of an interview kicked out to the parking lot. The trafficker picks them up, beats the snot out of them, and now they'll never trust law enforcement again. So that aftercare piece is the crucial piece. It's the most important piece. It's the most difficult piece. And, it, and the kids... Well, it's got to be also time and money. Lots of not, time not and that, you know, Not that yeah. those... But, you know, unfortunately, we have to deal with the reality of the world, right? Like time, time and money. How, you know, is, is that a big part of that funding that you're also that these organizations? Are Absolutely. Doing? At the Spear Fund, that's when we're, we're we're putting probably more or equal money into the aftercare side as we do into the rescue side. The kids that you see rescued on that island in the, in the Sound of Freedom, um, they're, they're, we stayed with them. They got great aftercare services from an organization called Reina Ser in Colombia, um, and we've tracked with them. They're young adults now. We're providing. Uh, grants for them, teaching, you know, helping them get through school, and they're actually coming up to Miami um, in August. Oh, really? Because they, they're they're so happy about this film, and they want to tell their side of the story. And, I, and so and these I, are the actual the actual kids that were rescued on that island. And I invited Rolling Stone and uh, and the Guardian to come interview the kids. And let me I, guess. I dare you. I dare you guys to go tell these kids that they're some part of they're, they're some they're part of some kind of QAnon conspiracy. Oh, they won't show up. They won't show up. It'll be too awkward, right? But these are wow. real kids. Well, what it, I mean, that's so that's going to happen in August. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I mean, I think that that has to be so important because, I mean, it puts a real face to right to the issue. Right. There's a, you know, you can have a movie to help. What, what you know, again, everyone's like, hey, I love that you're doing X. And this is not like for anything. You know, what? Well, what's the next step? How, how do they take? I think the big thing, you know. 
So what he says there, oh, sorry, you need to close that down. He says at the end, um, this is important for all of our salvation. I thought it was very interesting. John Jr. said that. Yeah. And uh, I couldn't find the clip because Rumble is really bad at fast forwarding. Um, mm. But there was another part where Tim Ballard says that there was a young man who was rescued in that Columbia rescue. Mm -hmm. He became a um, anti-trafficker uh, advocate. Oh, wow. Wow. He found a young girl who was pregnant who was going to have an abortion. And he said, don't have an abortion. I'll adopt your baby. Wow. So he adopts the baby. of, uh, And he rescues this girl out of sex trafficking. So Tim Ballard, it's, it's literally this domino effect. Mm -hmm. That when the love of God goes and you rescue one. Yeah. Then now he has rescued and saved a child from dying. Wow. From being aborted. And, so, and, and, and this young man goes out and pulls girls and young kids off of the streets. And I very much appreciated what Donald Trump had to say. Um, and it was this is our Brian segment. Donald Trump has a three-minute video out, and you can watch it on True Social, where he ha lays out a plan to stop sex trafficking. And he is very interesting. He goes, it's, it affects women. Because Tim Ballard is about focusing on the kids. Because that's where everybody can rally behind. Sure. Um, but Donald Trump is like, and we need to stop women's sex trafficking. We need to yeah. stop all sex trafficking, period. Exactly. And I find that that is so encouraging. And the fact that all of this is coming about and we've been, you know, talking about this on our show and ending pornography and ending this perversion and people waking up and recognizing that, you know, every single one of us can help to pull the need and the desire for you know these kids away from the internet that's good so i would like to um play this video if you could bring up this post-millennial sound of freedom jim caviezel so do you guys remember when we played joe biden eating the child yeah so jim caviezel reacts to that and oh, i want to no play way. jim caviezel's reaction so if you scroll down it's with benny johnson at okay. the bottom it's i think that I just think it's funny. Oh my gosh. It does make you question just a little bit. So just bit. scroll down. Pass that. Pass that. There you go. It does cross the line with children. It makes our skin crawl. We do talk a lot about politics on this show. And a piece of video that crossed our screens on our cell phones um, from last Friday was Joe Biden essentially biting a, a child. You can see it here pop it up on screen he's like uh, biting a, a stranger's kid like going and, and nibbling a child I, you're a father i'm a father i would never let a demented pervert like this anywhere near my children you know how dare you touch a, uh, another another person's child like that um and it, it does speak to sort of an underlying disrespect of children whether you, yeah look you know, look at the parent though that's sitting there and just admiring him for it. I'd have pushed him off so quick. What I mean, would you that, do if Joe Biden, if Joe Biden did that to your child, Jim, what would you do? I, the Secret Service would have tackled me because I'd have popped him. Yeah, because that's a in, deeply inappropriate way to, to touch a child, right? You shouldn't put your mouth on a child and bite it. <laughs> yeah, you don't have <laughs> a right that, to do wrong. Can we have a, you know? why are we having a conversation? And that's what they've made it. Okay, and, you can pause it there. How, how did we get to a conversation where the president of the United States is putting his mouth on a child and biting the child and sniffing it? Like, that is a, such a perverted, weird thing. Like, forget imagine perversion and forget weird, though. It's 
you don't get Joe Biden is historically proven to get into people's personal spaces. Mm -hmm. And if there's one member of our species that is entitled to not have their personal space invaded, it is a child who cannot speak for themselves. And when you are a parent, it is your job to protect that child's personal space. So that mom, and I'm assuming it's the child's father right there with them. Are you kidding me? I don't care if you're the president of the United States. You do not get to invade the personal space of a child. He like ate the child. He literally ate the child. So thank you, Jim Caviezel. Speaking of rights and what you cannot and should never do to a child, uh, Russell Brand had on Ron DeSantis talking about, and I think this is where we really have to start drawing the line, is the left keeps telling us that kids are a- autonomous, that, that they need they need to tell us who they are. And um, no, no, we don't want to treat kids like great- adults. That's the point. They want to treat kids like adults. Right. That means sexualizing them. They and- want to legalize sex with children. No one's saying you haven't done a great job in Florida. I've been to Florida. I had a good time in Florida. My stand-up comedy audience love you in Florida. No one's saying that, except perhaps when it comes to devolving the power for uh, schools uh, and allowing them and, and allowing their parents to participate in which books should be permitted when it comes to ideology and which books should be banned. Now, I, I agree with decentralization, and I fundamentally believe that true freedom is the... F- other people's freedom and i wonder like in the just to use this rather localized uh, example if you were to grant similar freedoms in california you can imagine that the types of books that might get banned wouldn't be books that promote certain sexualities and certain lifestyles they might be more traditional and orthodox books would you be happy with that and would you permit that if schools for example in california said we want to ban the bible or we don't want to talk about christianity or we don't want to talk about heterosexual families or we want further gun coal legislation you'd be down for all that well they've done that for years i mean i don't think in california they would allow a bible i think it should be allowed of course but i but i don't think that they do do that in florida what, what we've really done though is is we have devolved p- uh, power to the parents because ultimately school systems don't exist uh just for their own sake they exist to serve the community and so we think it's appropriate that the education reflects community standards. So when you have some of the stuff, which has been very graphic and pornographic in a fourth grade or fifth grade classroom, it's not a question of banning it because you as an adult are free to do that in Florida. We're not getting rid of it. It's not like Amazon where they won't put books on that talk about negatively, talk about like gender ideology. In Florida, everything's available for adults, but there's a time and a place to have something that graphic. We don't want to be treating kids like adults. Uh, we want to be treating kids like kids. And so injecting some of these concepts in first or second grade uh, is just not appropriate. So we're just giving parents the ability to know what's being taught in schools. Uh, and then if something violates the standards that Florida sets, they can do it. For example, take it away from the, the sexualization. We have Holocaust education in Florida. If a teacher teaches that the Holocaust didn't happen, we obviously, the parents would blow the whistle and, and there would be issues. So we have a right to set what standards we want to be taught. We can pick what subjects that we want to be taught um, and do it in that direction. But nothing is being banned. You guys can knock yourself. The books, I will not even bring up on my show. The books that they're banning. 
teaching kids how to do all manner of weird, crazy stuff. So essentially, Russell Brand was playing devil's advocate in this no interview because no, it sounded was, like that. No, he's he like, was so saying, what about if if you're banning these types of books? What if someone were to try to come and ban the Bible or ban heterosexual heterosexual normative? educational material well the way i heard him was he's on here and and the clip is literally from russell brand saying you know we want to treat kids like right uh, kids not right. adults yeah i think that i think that russell brand was playing devil's advocate to get to an answer yeah i, I mean, think it was more of a leading i question. i I, th I heard him saying you know it's they are wanting to no he was saying so what do you do now that mm -hmm. you're banning this what if they want to come and then ban what if what if parents then mm -hmm. decide well, let's ban. We don't want the Bible. We don't want these these types of books. Well, they they've already now have. made that. They've already made and it. That they've was already tried to. That they've was already DeSantis done answer. it. They've already done it. And so you can't. They. You're not even allowed to say. So, well, we're on Facebook. Can you say marriage is between a man and a woman? I don't know. Can you? It's 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 beyond ridiculous. I got a couple more clips here. This is uh, Tim Ballard talking about uh, how this movie can go uh, viral and international. And I, I don't care, like, you know, and if it's like, and if it's, I don't care if it's like, if it's like, okay, the Ukrainian government has, has some information, the Chinese government has information, the Russian government, whatever, I need the information, right? right? You know, Cause that's what it comes down to. Right. So you'd think it would be something where you could actually find some of these groups and just say, all right, you know, we disagree on, you know, 80% of the things, but on this 20%, yeah, we're good. Let's go. Yep. And, and the only way that happens, I think, is mass awareness. Mass awareness. When the people are clamoring, the people are pissed, the people are screaming, why aren't we using resources this way? And so I feel like Sound of Freedom, based on the success we're having, we're, I mean, we're, we're, we just crossed 95 million, I think, today, in, two, in just a few weeks, and we haven't we're, even we're gone. Running, so we're, we just did the numbers right before oh, you walked where, in. Where, that where you, are they? That, so, am, I, am I close? So you, you, yeah, you're about to cross 95, and it's looking at 100. Unbelievable. It's looking right? at 100, and we, that's in two weeks. We haven't even gone international yet. No. And and when we go international, guess what? I mean, that's where I'm, I'm excited because I'm thinking, well, that's where we do so many rescues in the countries with this film. I'm getting chills right now thinking about this because that's where they, they need change too. Um, the guys in Colombia are saying, bring it here because it'll wake up our government. Bring it to Europe. It'll wake up our government there. It'll wake up the governments of the world when, they, when this movie hits. And that's when we'll start seeing a resource switch. Like right now, there's roughly about five anti-drug U.S. agents for every one anti-child trafficking agent. Let's so that's what we want to see. We want to see that, that switch. And I'm, I am excited to see this. Thank you so much for joining us. Tell me, what is it, when you first got involved with this film, did you ever think not only that you would be crossing the $100 million mark, which is a huge number in the industry, but that tonight you would be showing it for a president of the United States? Never imagined. I mean, I'm a big dreamer, brother. But even <laughs> in my, I mean, I dream big. But this is beyond my dreams. This is the uh, American dream and the Mexican dream together. I, I, like, I never dreamed to... First of all, you have to understand there is two Mexican filmmakers, Alejandro Monteverde and Eduardo Verastegui. One is the director, the other one is the producer. What we wanted to do is to save lives. What happened when two Mexican filmmakers meet with two American heroes, Tim Butler and Jim Caviezel, when they shake hands and work together? Sound of freedom. What happened with the bad guys from Mexico meets with the bad guys from America when they shake hands and they work together? Child trafficking. So I'm living the American dream and the Mexican dream because I moved to America almost 21 years ago. I didn't speak English. Alejandro didn't speak English. We immersed in the culture. 
I didn't allow myself to speak to speak uh, to speak uh, to speak Spanish with anybody for a year, so I can force myself to start thinking in English. Because when you're 28, at that time I was 28, a few years ago, um, <laughs> just a couple years, a couple ago. years ago, um, it's very difficult, right? But I never imagined that 20 years later, after Alejandro and I will open this production company with one mission, to produce films that will have the potential not only to entertain, but hopefully to make a difference in people's lives. After you made what I would say, honestly, is the best pro-life movie of Bella. all time, Bella. That was, that was my first uh, production. That was Alejandro's first uh, time directing. And then after Bella, then Little Boy came, then the third one, Sound of Freedom. But this 20 years, we do like these boutique films, like artisanal, like, yeah. you know, take us like always three, four, five years because we are you know we're not in the system we're outsiders right but then 20 years later after we made that promise to God that we only want to work in projects that are designed to make this world a better place never thought that a small distribution company perhaps the smallest one in the country Angel Studios competing with the biggest company in the world Disney Sound of Freedom against Indiana Jones July 4th are you kidding me no chance humanly speaking we have no chance and we became the number one movie in America on July 4th. All glory to God. And so many people that are praying for this film, for Angel Studios, for the sacrifice that Tim Ballard did, Gene Caviezel, Alejandro Monteverde, and so many people working in this project, but especially the five, now I believe six million people showing up in theaters. God bless you guys. This is amazing. God is amazing. We're so grateful. And this is just the beginning. This movement is growing and growing and growing. It's too late. They want to stop it. Too late. They can take me. They can take team. This movement, millions of people, they cannot take millions of people. God's children are not for sale. I'm so happy. God bless America. This nation has been such an amazing blessing in my life. Open the door to my open the doors to my dreams. And I'm living the dream, brother. Amen. Okay, so I want to do a little commentary on on what we've just all watched because that is I, I Guys, when the bad guys of Mexico mixed with the bad guys of the United States, then bad things happen. We need good guys of Mexico mixed with the good guys of the United States, and that good things was happen. That so good. That was really, really good. So, um, Leah, you keep moving on me, and I keep trying to center you. And oh, that's, sorry. That's all right. Um, Leah, why are we still talking about the sound of freedom? Because you can't stop the momentum. Because it just keeps going. Because I tried to cancel it, and then you can't stop it. You can't. You can't stop it. People are still. So I got a message from a friend of ours. I said I told her that we would read it on air. So well, I want to answer my redundant, my redundant question. Oh. No, go ahead and bring up the bring up the text. I have to tell you guys, this is bigger than sex trafficking. Oh. This is bigger than modern day slavery. The force. I, this is a prophetic word for you guys right now. I don't believe you. I don't care if you believe in prophecy or not. I'm telling you, this is a word from God. Mm -hmm. You know how they say that the speaking of the Rolling Stones, the Rolling Stone collects no moss. I think of like when a dam breaks through the force behind this, right, right. which is us. We, the people we around the, the world, may the force be with you. Yes, is like a dam breaking through, and at the bottom of this city is sex trafficking. It's the new world order. It's everything that we are fighting against, and that's why they're. And here we come. Them. And, and we're yeah. not just going to take out child sex trafficking. We're not just going to end these stupid uh, fifteen-minute cities and Klaus Schwab and all of this agenda and the race baiting right. and the transgenderism and all of it. We're coming after everything. That, guys, is why we keep showcasing 
this momentum week yes. after week after week. And that's why this film has taken on a life of its own. It's not about the film. Yeah. It's about the force. We've all recognized like, okay, this is it. We're, we are charged. This is how we're flipping the script. Charge. Flipping the script. Yeah. This is how we flip the script. Yeah, no pun intended. The we're saving yeah. the children. So, um, our friend, uh, Caitlin, who we talked about, like filled the theater last week. Now she, she gave, she, so speaking of July 4th, we did an event for those of you who may be unaware or are aware, July 3rd, 4th, and 5th with the Remnant Revolution Tour. They're still going strong. RemnantRevolutionTour.com. We're going to meet up with them at Bards Fest, September 20th through the 23rd in Kansas. On July 4th, we gave out tickets for free. Between us and the Remnant Revolution Tour, we paid for an entire theater and handed out tickets for free, and we packed that theater. So we were part of uh, what Eduardo was just speaking of there. We pack out this theater. Afterwards, we pray with everybody. And something shifts in the world, in the spirit realm, not just because of our prayer. I mean, this entire movement has shifted. Now, Caitlin was there. We paid for her ticket. She got to go in for free. Then she gets filled with the Holy Ghost the next day, by the way, at the parade. Starts going and handing out tickets every weekend since we've taken her. She's been handing out free tickets and spreading the gospel. She's become a little missionary. Oh, absolutely. It's so amazing. go ahead and so read the latest. We told text. you about what she did last week. This is this week. <laughs> Handed out 24 tickets today and engaged in good conversation with almost all of them. I'm really excited for this weekend. One fellow handed her $19 to buy more tickets out of hand. So I just bought three more with his oh money. Gosh. Most of the people at this theater tonight are seeing the sound of freedom. So cool. Um, I let all of them know I'm inviting folks to stay afterwards if they want to and share what impacted them because it's important to have conversations about this. And for those who pray, I'm going to invite people to pray as well. But if they don't want to, that's okay. I've been standing out here asking everyone what movie they're seeing so I can offer them tickets to see the later showing uh, of Sound and Freedom. And uh, she's, you know, everybody's seeing Sound of Freedom. So she couldn't give away the tickets. Uh, one family turned her down, but she figured uh, she was going to stay there and, and hand out any more tickets. And then she was going to go to the local Kroger and hand out more. Um, and then she says, I can't wait to see what happens this weekend. And uh, she said, there were four people who weren't seeing The Sound of Freedom. They said no to the tickets, but I'm just blown away by how many people are there for the movie. Um, and she said that um, previously people are praying, they are getting together, and I was I was blown away with um, Caitlin's missionary skills. She's a tiny now. little pint of a person. People mistake her for being 15 years old all the time. Mm -hmm. I think she's like 27. Mm -hmm. Okay, um, she's single. This is, she has taken this on as a mission, and it's yeah. just and so many other people have. This is taken. It is spreading the gospel. Yeah, I mean, this, and then they're having conversations afterwards about people that they know that were sex trafficked or, or abused, molested or whatever and conversations I, to be had. Guys, this is a movie that you don't just go see, but you have to talk about because yeah. this is one of those movies that you can't just just watch. Exactly, it requires action. It requires continual action. <laughs> Exactly. Right? And that's exactly. why we keep talking about it. But there is obviously some censorship going on in this world. And uh, we have, we had the House, I don't know, committee, I don't know what they're calling themselves, subcommittee, had a hearing on 
censorship and they had Robert Kennedy Jr. there. They also had Emma Jo, uh, journalist Emma Jo Morris, who broke the Hunter uh, Biden laptop story for the New York Post, but was immediately censored. And I would like to start with her speaking at this hearing yesterday on how she was censored. Censored to the point where an election was altered because mm-hmm. of the censorship. Eyes and eight no's. Uh, the, the motion to table is agreed to. We will now move to our second witness. Uh, Ms. Morris, you are recognized for five minutes. Thank you. Thanks so much for inviting me. Um, my name is Emma Jo Morris, a politics editor at Breitbart. Um, I'm here today because I published a series of news stories three years ago in October of 2020 about Hunter Biden's now infamous laptop, also known as the laptop from hell, uh, which is seen as some of the most scandalous reporting of the last decade. Um, What was more scandalous than the reporting itself, though, was the fact that it exposed the unholy alliance between the intelligence community, social media platforms, and legacy media outlets. At the time, I was deputy politics editor at the New York Post, and um, my reporting showed that despite then-candidates Joe Biden's repeated and furious denials, he was apparently involved in the foreign business deals of his family. Over several days, just weeks before Americans would vote for their next president, I revealed verified, authentic emails from the Biden Scions hard drive showing Ukrainian business partners receiving leaks from the Obama White House. I documented an off-the-books meeting between then-Vice President Biden and a Ukrainian energy executive and introduced the world to the big guy um, who got action on a deal with CEFC, China Energy Company. The Post published exactly how the material for the reporting was obtained, even identifying our sources, um, as well as a federal subpoena showing the FBI was in possession of the material the story was based on and had been since December of 2019. Um, But when the stories appeared on social media that morning, the venue where millions of Americans go to find their news and editors to get their angles, uh, within hours the reporting was censored on all major platforms on the basis of being called hacked or Russian disinformation. Um, Twitter refused to allow users to share the link to the stories, banned the links from being shared in private messages, a policy, by the way, that's used to clamp down on child porn um, and lock the post out of its verified account. Facebook said it would curb distribution and reach of the links on its platform. However, the stories were not based on hacked materials, nor were they Russian disinformation. And despite those claims appearing to come out of thin air at the time, we would eventually learn that they actually didn't come out of thin air at all. On October 19th, five days after the Post began publishing, Politico ran a story headlined, Hunter Biden's story is Russian disinfo, dozens of former Intel officials say. God, I can't even say that with a straight face, you know? Politico printed a letter completely uncritically from veteran members of the U.S. intelligence community falsely claiming that the post-exposé has, quote, all the classic earmarks of a Russian information operation. My God. (laughs) Most notable among the signatories of that letter were Jim Clapper from former DNI, Michael Hayden, former CIA, John Brennan, former CIA, despite having such damaged credibility following their participation in the Russia collusion conspiracy theory. 
A few days later, on October 22nd, when Biden appeared in the second presidential debate and was uh, confronted with the facts of the Post's reporting, he said to Trump, quote, 50 former national intelligence professionals said this, what he's accusing me of is a Russian plot. But it was not. Um, and he knew that. Now, fast forward to this year, three years later. Just last spring, House investigators revealed it was a call by now Secretary of State Antony Blinken to former acting CIA Director Michael Morell that prompted the spy letter published by Politico, which bypassed agency approval processes that would have been normally applied. It is also now known that ahead of my reporting, federal agencies were priming social media companies to execute an operation to discredit it. According to internal documents released by Elon Musk upon his acquisition of Twitter, the FBI and other intelligence community members essentially directed the platform's censorship operation, in part externally by working with top management and in part internally by social media companies hiring eye-popping numbers of agency alumni. Journalist Michael Schallenberger reported, based on documents he obtained from Musk, that during all of 2020, the FBI and other law enforcement agencies repeatedly primed Twitter executives to dismiss reports of Hunter Biden's laptop as a Russian hack and leak operation. Feds arranged for top secret security clearances to be granted to Twitter management and even had encrypted messaging networks set up, which they dubbed a virtual war room. To this day, hundreds of people from the intelligence community work at social media companies. Over the last few years, my reporting has been confirmed by virtually every mainstream news outlet, from the Washington Post to the New York Times to Politico, when the stakes were nothing, by the way, two years later. No one denies that the laptop is real, that the origin story is exactly what I told you it was in the first place. This elaborate censorship conspiracy wasn't because the information being reported on was false. It was because it was true, and it was a threat to the power centers in this country. What this relationship between the U.S. government officials and American corporations represent is, is an unprecedented push to undermine the First Amendment, the right to think, write, read, say whatever we want, and how we respond will determine whether we see a free press as inalienable or as optional. She deserved wow. her five minutes because what she went through, could you imagine going through no. that at the hands of the entire world? Do you know social... how hard as, it, as a reporter it is to get all of your sources together, yeah. to get sources that will allow you to publish them, yeah. to have all of your ducks in a row, make sure that all of your facts are 100% provable and have that together ready to hand to anybody that would take a scrutinizing look at this. And she had everything. Yeah. I mean everything. Yeah. And then they still did this to her. And that they did it to her because she had everything. Yeah. And so Chuck Grassley has something. Go ahead and play this clip. Well, it's been a long time. Yeah, almost a, long. a year. But thanks to patriotic people that we call whistleblowers, in this case, in the bowels of the bureaucracy of the FBI and the Department of Justice, I'm able today to release to the American people uh, the FBI document that we go by the number 1023 that has some information that the American people might know about some shenanigans that Vice President Biden and Hunter Biden may have been involved in. Now it's up to the FBI to tell us what they've done in regard to this, but I want the people to be able to read, the people of this country, to be able to read what I read three months ago uh, so that they know. 
by the way, this was an unclassified document and there was no reason it should have taken one year to get our hands you know if it was trump of course mm. no one there's no one in the fbi that would cover for trump no one in the no one anywhere that would cover for trump in any sort of law um part of the law in, in america but here jesse waters is going to expose the letter that Thanks to the Biden family. Thanks to the Department of Justice whistleblowers and Senator Chuck Grassley. Fox News has obtained a declassified FBI document. This is the bribe document that the feds were hiding. This document details that Joe and Hunter Biden coerced a Ukrainian CEO to bribe them $10 million. The CEO wanted help getting this Ukrainian prosecutor fired. And he knew the Bidens were the right guys for the job. The declassified document lays it all out, including the fact that there are numerous texts, audio recordings, and wire transactions corroborating the Biden bribes. It's becoming clear this was part of a massive pay-for-play scheme. Now, the CEO even said he, quote, hired Hunter Biden to protect us through his dad from all kinds of problems. The Ukrainians knew exactly what they were doing. They were paying for protection like the mob does. And they got their money's worth. When somebody raised an issue that the local prosecutor was looking into the company, the Burisma CEO said this, quote, don't worry, Hunter will take care of all of those issues through his death. Hunter and Joe were on the take, which each of the Biden boys pocketing five million, allegedly. and. They were strong arming the company the whole time. The Ukrainian CEO didn't even want to pay up, saying he was pushed to pay them. Maybe he didn't want to fork over some cash because he knew that, quote, Hunter Biden was stupid and his dog was smarter. And if that's really how Burisma felt about Hunter, it's no wonder this was all Joe's idea. As the document points out, it was Joe who was insisting that Hunter be on the Burisma board. Joe knew he needed a Biden on the inside. Between this document and the 17 audio recordings of the Bidens, the Ukrainian CEO says he has, this is a mountain of evidence piling up against the Bidens. So what's next? Good question. What is next? What is next? I don't know, because we, they're already covering for Joe Biden. So yeah. the guys that would go after Joe Biden are covering for him. Right. Right. So it's hard to believe what happened to um, Robert Kennedy Jr., but the DNC attempted to prevent him from even speaking on the censorship. And I want to bring... And we said this on our Bright Hand program. They literally wanted to have this thing be behind closed doors. A, a, a hearing on censorship, the Democrats tried to make it so that it was there were no cameras and no one could see it. Yeah, let's play this one. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Mr. Chairman. Mr. Chairman, I'd like to raise I'd like to raise a point of order. Gentlelady, lady can say a point of order. Point of order pursuant to House Rule eleven, clause two, Wait, which I'm Mr. Kennedy is oh. hang on. Pause. So Debbie Washman Schultz is going to try to censor, back it up a little bit. No, they heard it. Okay. They Violative of, I move that we remove into executive session because Mr. Kennedy has repeatedly made despicable anti-Semitic and anti-Asian comments as recently as last week. Rule 11, Clause 2 says 
Whenever it is asserted by a member of the committee that the evidence or testimony is seen, there is an argument because Mr. Kennedy's testimony. Mr. Chairman, I move to table the motion. Gentleman from Kentucky has moved to table. Mr. Chairman, I ask for a roll call vote on the motion to table. Well, let me ask the question. The question is on the motion to table. The gentlelady has asked for a roll call vote. The clerk will will happy. Then you actually have to do it. I think the witnesses can sit in the chairs. We're waiting, for, we're waiting for the clerks. Is violative of waiting Rule 11, clause 2. Waiting for the clerks. Clerk will call the roll. Oh, crazy. Mr. Jordan. Yes. Mr. Jordan votes yes. Mr. Issa. Mr. Massey. Yes, to not censor. Mr. Massey votes yes. Mr. Stewart. Yes. Mr. Stewart votes yes. Mr. Stefanik. Yes. Mr. Stefanik. So then all the Democrats. Amplified rather than given an executive session. Ms. Wasserman Schultz votes no. Mr. Connolly. Absolutely crazy, insane world that- Let's censor the person that we brought in to talk about censorship. Yeah, exactly. Here we have Thomas Massey. Other side of the aisle. The weaponization. It's deafening. You censorship. could cut it with a knife. They are at the same time denying that censorship is occurring, but suggesting that there's more material that needs to be censored. This is a hearing on censorship that began with an effort, with a formal motion from the other side of the aisle to censor Mr. Kennedy. They do not want him to speak, yet that is the topic of this hearing. They have kept him from speaking. A collusion between the government and private organizations. Mr. Kennedy, in your opening statement, you um, introduced us to this word malinformation. Can you tell us more about this made up word, what it means, and some of the uh, things that you've tr said or tried to say that you've been censored for that's been characterized as malinformation. Yes, Congressman Massey, and if, if, it, if by your leave, I'd like to just respond Please. briefly uh, to some of the, uh, what I would call defamations that have been uh, just applied to me by the ranking member. Uh, I'm happy to talk to you about my opinions on these issues, what you, the, what you have stated and tried to associate me with uh, through guilt by association is simply inaccurate. Virtually everything, every statement that you just made about me is inaccurate. I have never advised black Americans not to receive vaccines. At one point you say I'm anti-vax and that's a bad thing. The other thing, the other moment you point out that all my children are vax. I fact, I'm fully compliant with the vaccine schedule myself, except for COVID. I, I, I took flu vaccines for 20 years straight. I have never been anti-vax. I have never told any, I have never told the public avoid vaccination. The only thing I've asked for and my views are constantly misrepresented so that the truth of what I believe Welcome to the club. is not, we're not allowed to have a conversation with, about that with the American people, which I believe vaccines should be tested with the same rigor as other medicines and medications. You tried to associate me a moment ago with a replacement theory which is racist. No, I did not say you. Time belongs to the gentleman from my colleagues. Time belongs to the gentleman from I denounced that theory. It is racist, and I have never endorsed it or had any association with it. Our film on a medical... By the medical way, Bill apartheid? Buxton, Bill Buxton, 
who is the black CDC official who ultimately exposed the Tuskegee experiment, tried for years and years to appeal to, to CDC to stop it for 40 years. Finally, he got relief by walking into my uncle's office in the building next door. Teddy held hearings and ended the experiment. I remember that very well. And to say that, that I, I wrote a, I created a film that encourages blacks not to get adequate medical care is just completely abhorrent. If the, Don't if the, use my it's words. It's the witness's time. Do not the, censor the witness. I'm not the, censoring the, the witness. Yeah. I'm not the, censoring the witness. He's still talking. It is the, it's I don't it's my time and I've given it to the witness. Do not censor him. I'm if not the, censoring him. If the views. It's, it's Thomas Massey's time. He gave it to Kennedy. And you got this, you literally have a back and forth that they do not allow for witnesses to do. They say, we're claiming my time. They, they will accuse him of stuff. They constantly accuse him of stuff. And then when he tried to defend himself, they would literally, they would go on a, you know, a five minute thing and not let him say one thing. I'm not, I'm not censoring him. You five years old. Mommy. Applied yeah. to me. I've attributed to me. If they were actually true, I can see why I shouldn't be able to testify here today. Those are not true. These are defamations and mal malignancies that are used to censor me to prevent people from listening to the actual things that I'm saying. And I think, ranking member, that we should have a real conversation rather than an exchange of ad hominem attacks. And answer very quickly to your question, the term malinformation was coined to describe information that Facebook and Twitter and the other social media sites understood was true, but that the White House and other federal agencies wanted censored anyway for political reasons because it challenged official orthodoxies. I'll give you one example. There was a, I was included in a group called the Disinformation Dozen. Mm -hmm. and and Facebook and others were asked to censor us, which they did. And by the way, my heck, Aaron post, it was taken down. My whole Instagram account with 900,000 people was taken down because of that. Oh, they knew, Facebook knew that the disinformation doesn't claim it. And what they said was that disinformation doesn't came from this very shady group called the Center for Preventing Digital Hate in England that is funded by dark money that should be looked into. They claim that 65% of the vaccine misinformation on the internet was generated by those 12 people. Facebook itself said that is impossible. That is false information. We know that not to be true. And yet, when the White House asked them to censor this, disinformation doesn't, including me, they did it anyway, when they knew it to be untrue. My time has expired. Are you gentlemen, gentlemen, yields back to... Wow. So I have a little commercial break here because um, this is Hunter Biden's lawyer. Just a recent picture of him. Oh, dear God. No way. Kevin Morris clearly smoking from a bong here. That's Hunter's lawyer. Just just a recent picture coming into view here. That's Hunter Biden's lawyer. You know, it's good to get a lawyer that's so much like you. You I want you helpful. really do want a lawyer who you can identify with. Yeah, yeah, who will identify with you and your cause and how you ended up in the situation that you're in. Yeah, I think I think you're right about that. You and your cause. I think you can put it that way. <laughs> I think I've got one more from this hearing if I can find it. 
This was such a powerful hearing. All right, here we go. The founders of our, and the framers of our constitution knew that democracy was a very inefficient system and it had all of these built-in inefficiencies and difficulties. But they said that they felt that it would give us the one thing that would give us an advantage over totalitarian systems was this capacity for the free flow of information and, and a complete lack of control of debate so that ideas that would eventually mature into policies would be annealed in a furnace of debate and then rise through the marketplace of ideas rather than being dictated from above. And that's what would give the energy, the vibrancy, the vigor to democracy. When they invented this democracy, we were the first one in the modern era in 1780. By 1865, five other nations had imitated us. I, today, it's 190 nations based upon our system. We are supposed to be the exemplary democracy and the corner foundation Constitutional Republic of our system is freedom of speech. All of the other freedoms depend on it. If we lose that, not only do we lose our democracy in this country, but the entire world exactly. loses us as an example. Exactly. I couldn't have said it better. I couldn't have said it better. All right, so Zero Hedge put together an article on this hearing. I'm going to kind of, is that the one I want? Where are you? No, yes. Yeah. All right, so we we went over most of the stuff in the article, but there's another cool video here. I think it's funny, I guess it's funny. With Thomas Massey going back with uh, Debbie Wasserman Schultz, who I don't even know how she's still in Congress. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Mr. Chairman, we respectfully requested that you rescind Mr. Kennedy's invitation to be, appear here due to his repeated and very recent statements that spread dangerous anti-Semitic and anti-Asian conspiracy theories and attempted to move into executive session because House rules prohibit public testimony that degrades or defames people. His reckless rhetoric helped fuel anti-Semitic incidents, which for the record are at the highest level in the United States since 1970. They have nearly tripled in the last six years. Since you gave Mr. Kennedy a megaphone today, I want to give him a chance to correct his statements and prepare some of the harm that he's helped cause. Mr. Kennedy, you're well-educated, so yes or no, please. Are you aware that for centuries, Jews have been scapegoated and blamed for causing illnesses like Black Plague and more recently COVID? I am. Those are known as blood libel, and they are one of the worst and most disturbing parts of uh, human history. Good. I'm glad to know that, of course, that you, that you acknowledge that. Of course, it's true and well documented that this pernicious form of anti-Semitism led to centuries of discrimination, even horrific pogroms and massacres, and it still fuels deadly violence today. Yet last week, you floated a baseless conspiracy theory that the coronavirus was bioengineered to target Caucasians and black people, but to spare Ashkenazi Jews and Chinese people. Mr. Kennedy, your bizarre, unproven claim echoes that same historic slander of labeling Jews and Chinese people as a race, and that Jews, and in this case Chinese people, somehow managed to avoid a deadly illness that targets other groups for death. You do see... Dangerous labeling Jews as a race. See that, yes or no? You're misstating. No, 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 no. Uh, you I, are... quoted, I quoted what you said earlier, and it, it is directly what you said. So just ask me, uh, yes no, or no. I was, I was describing an NIH-funded study. No, 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 you didn't cite any. I was, I was describing an NIH-funded study by Cleveland Clinic Reclaiming my time. Reclaiming my time. You did not you, reference. Reclaiming my time. Published in USC Medical, which is one of... 
The time is mine. I'm reclaiming it. Please ask the witness to stop talking. You asked me a question. Reclaiming I, let me, Allow me to answer time. my question. Mr. Chairman, I'd like about 10 uh, seconds the back. Time, the time belongs. You are slandering me incorrectly. You're saying is dishonest. Time belongs to the gentlelady from Florida. Time belongs to the gentlelady from Florida. I'd like 15 seconds back. We will be happy to give you that. Thank you so much. You did not cite any study like you are citing here now during that conversation. You referenced no study at all. You simply labeled Jews and Chinese people as a race. And you also said that somehow they managed to avoid a deadly illness that targets other groups for death. You don't see that. You're trying to rewrite history here. So Mr. Chairman, I have unanimous consent request. The gentleman from Kentucky is recognized for UC. I ask unanimous consent to introduce into the record a study that Mr. Kennedy just referenced. Uh, new insights into genetic susceptibility of COVID-19. Uh, the main body said that they investigated genetic susceptibility to COVID-19 by examining DNA polymorphism in ACE2 and TMPRSS2. Those are receptors for COVID in 81,000 human genomes, and they found unique genetic susceptibility across different populations. I have another uh, document that I would like to ask unanimous consent. Without objection. To submit, and this is uh, from the FDA, FDA Review of Efficacy and Safety of Pfizer-BioNTech COVID-19 Vaccine. This is dated December 10th, 2020, and it shows that the uh, Pfizer trial and the USDA broke down the effectiveness of the vaccine into seven different racial categories because this was also a concern of theirs, and it would frankly be delinquent not to study the uh, the effects across the different But Mr. Races. Kennedy. Good job, Thomas Massey, having that ready. They had to know that that was coming, and so I'm glad that they prepared for that. You know, it's very interesting because you're a holy people, a chosen nation, a people for God's own possession. And the whole point of... Abraham, he says, I will make the descent, your descendants as numerous as the sand in the sky. No, there's no sand, the in, the sand in the sky. Try again. And stars in the sky. Right. When you talk to somebody about being Jewish. Right. They don't really know if you can just Google it. It says, no, Jewish isn't really a race. And from Chabad, Ch Chabad, while there is a definitive cluster of Jewish genes, plenty of people have those genes but aren't Jewish, and plenty don't have them and are. DNA does not make you a Jew. It's something much deeper. So Jewish people began with the descendants of Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, Rebecca, Jacob, Leah, and Rachel, the children of Jacob, to start with, likely married out of the family. Then there was the mixed multitude that came with the children of Israel out of Egypt. Until the covenant at Mount Sinai, there was no formal conversion. And several of the classic commentaries write that Jewishness may have followed the paternal line. From Sinai on, Jewishness follows the maternal line. The royal family itself is linked to King David, a descendant of a covenant named, uh, covenant named Ruth, whose story is told in the book Hebrew Bible. Another book of Esther speaks of many of the peoples of the land becoming Jewish during the Persian exile. So are Jews a cluster group? Indeed, scientists continue to argue whether the term race has any useful meaning when classifying human beings. Um, so I, on Facebook here, I'm not going to go any further, but to say, you have confused me, all of you, because you're not allowed to say anything against a Jewish person. So just 
just you just tell me what is a Jewish person I well no you can't I mean at this point they have blurred the lines of the European Union has come together we've, we've blurred the lines of nationality transgenderism has blurred the lines of gender right we have bl we've blurred the lines of everything so at this point you can't say anything definitive about anyone okay you can't and, and then you know what that does though when you go that far is it debunks this idea of racism that they tell us that we hold i'm reading from chabad.org facebook I, I i'm not even gonna get commentary i am confused on this this is from jewish people chabad yeah Scientists continue to argue whether the term race has any useful meaning. Um, racism as a socio-political ideology died with the Holocaust and was laid to rest by the civil rights movement for all thinking people. It should be obvious to all who have learned the history of the last century that humanity can no longer afford to discriminate by j race or genetic makeup if they want to survive. And that's absolutely true. Nevertheless, it's indisputable that certain groups form clusters in which certain we genetic are a properties... Are more common than for humanity as a whole. It's important to understand those clusters as they help to understand national identities and allegiances, as well as genetic inheritance. Since Jews have mostly married in for thousands, several thousand years, yes, there are certain features that are distinctly common among Jews, as there are among Inuits, Icelanders, Amish, and Basque people, and others. On the other hand, since there is room for conversion, those features are not uh, ubiquitous within the group. One feature that stands out amongst the Jewish cluster, the average verbal IQ score among Jews is 120. Translate that into percentile, and we discover that the average Jew is 1 out of 10 brighter than 91% so of the population. So you're allowed to say that, but you're, so they, uh, they have something going on for them that makes them quick and smart, but they don't have anything going on for them that makes them less likely to suffer from COVID. That may explain why Jews at only 1.4% of the American population make up 22% of Ivy League students, 20% of America's chief executives, and have earned 25% of Nobel Prizes awarded to American scientists, not including Jews born outside of the U.S., such as Albert Einstein since 1950. 32% worldwide in the 21st century and 52% of Pulitzer Prizes for nonfiction. The key is verbal IQ. But is it all in the genes? So far, no real evidence. No Jewish genes for IQ scores have turned up, nor for the scientific innovation. Neither do we know of any genetic basis for the charitability. Yet, Jews give far more charity. Oh, for cry. Okay, I'm done with this article. Can we move on to another story? This is absolutely ridiculous. Well, at some the point. Asha the Ashkenazi. Okay. And this is the group North that was being ta talked African about by shepherdy Jews. Robert Kennedy Jr. share a substantial genetic ancestry and that they derive it from the Middle Eastern and European uh, populations with no indication of a detectable so there but is do, Are you a telling me that these people origin. are more rural? Yeah. Okay, so you know what? We just showcased on Revelation Red Pill on Wednesday, which you guys, if you aren't tuning into that series, you need to be. You're 21 episodes behind if you aren't. We just showcased the oldest people in the world that live in the um, Caucasus Mountains, the Caucasian Mountains. Mm -hmm. 
what we are finding in this series, because we watched on our own personal time some it's, last night. It's not genetics. It's not so much genetics. It's lifestyle. It's the way that you live. And so if in your certain cluster of where these Ashkenazi people are living, they live better, then guess what? Maybe there's something to the way that they're living, just the way that the Amish, who also don't vaccinate, don't see any cases. Any No, they cases. have seen some. Very, very, very few. Let's, we're on Facebook, so let's be careful with what we say. Let's say, as a journalist, they, have, they, they, they see very few. I have never spoken to anyone in an Amish community that has ever met or seen anyone in their community that suffers from certain childhood illnesses. Is that okay. okay? Am I allowed to say that, Leah, censorship person on Facebook? You, you're the one that won't play us the tape video on Facebook. I'm just saying. So I'm, <laughs> I have to tell you guys something. This magnet, this is a magnet. I don't know why the Kansas Cowboy put this on our desk, but I might keep it It kind down of here. feels like uh, you could really put somebody in their place I have, with that. I am trying to tell y'all something. You know what I'm trying to say. It's the way that they are living. It's what they are doing and not doing that is making them healthier. So when we talk about the Jews and the Ashkenazi and Robert Kennedy Jr. and all of that, if it he's, could have something to do with could how just be the way they live in eating. How Forget the genetics. It could be that they're farther away from people. That they're outside in the sun. Exactly. I know. Hang on. Let me see if anybody else. No, we are not going to have any any comments on that on Facebook. No, just anything in general. We haven't read any comments here tonight. Okay. Carry on. What else do you have to say? Carry on. No, no, no. That was not a cue to sing. That was not cue the song. Well, actually, I was going to move on to um, the Jason Aldean story, but if we have got some comments. Nope. I didn't see anything that was like pressing. Yeah, so uh, I know I can't play very much of the Jason Aldean song on Facebook, so I'm going to play a couple clips talking about how this song was censored. So if you would bring up um, this particular Fox News clip on the left's attempt to cancel Jason Aldean. Is this one? Nope, that's the one I want. All right, Pete, what do you make of all this? My answer to that is try that in a small town. Uh, Ultimately, these are communities that support each other, that understand their own rights, and they support law enforcement. And so if you sucker punch somebody, or as it says in the song, or you carjack an old lady at a red light, or you hold up a liquor store with a gun, there might not be cameras on every street corner, but there are people who know each other, who know the cops and the authority. And by the way, if you pull a gun on a liquor store in a small town, you're probably not getting to the cops because something bad's happening to you because the Second Amendment actually exists in small town America. But then you've got sheriffs and cops who will actually arrest the perpetrators, prosecutors who will actually prosecute them, who won't let them out on bail, and then they'll get a maximum sentence so there are real consequences. Jason Aldean has his finger on the pulse of what people see and feel. And this instance is a difference between the people and corporations. I mean, look at, look at Aldean's number one hit. Look at Public Square's IPO yesterday, an option for an alternative ecosystem. Look at Disney. Look at Bud Light. People are fed up of, of their values being shoved down their throat as if they're wrong. 
And this song will become an anthem for them because there's nothing racist about it. Uh, it's about good values, this country, standing up for yourself and your community. Okay, there are other detractors uh, who drew... Uh, uh, we don't need to hear that. Whoopi Goldberg, do we? Did you want to hear? All no, right, I'd really. like to see uh, David Dorn, or the widow of David Dorn, who was murdered by BLM in 2020, and uh, her reaction to the Jason this, Not this one, right? One to the right. Okay. Because we already played that one. And when you saw the song... Let me make it big here. And you saw the controversy around the song. What went through your mind? It was absurd. Um, I just I just watched it today. I just watched the video today, and um, it speaks of small town values. It speaks of community values. It speaks of um, you know standing up for ourselves. You know when did it become illegal in the United States of America for us to stand up for ourselves? Um, that's that's our that's our given rights to to protect ourselves our life liberty and pursuit of happiness and to have people criticize that you know when he puts it in a song that's basically what he's saying it's a sense of community it's a sense of neighborhood it's a sense of taking care of each other and we've gotten so far away from that that it's it's actually very scary and um you know after losing my husband you know, being a police officer for 28 years, I always carried a gun, but now losing him to gun violence, I make sure I have a gun on me to protect myself and my family. That tragic night in the summer of 2020, did you wish there were some more small town minded people around? I do, you know, there's, there's a lot of um, disrespect now and there's no sense of community and people don't stand up for their community. They don't stop these things that happen in a small town, just like, Jason says in his song, you know, you're not going to do that here. The community is not going to stand for it. The community is not going to allow you to come into our town and destroy our town. We're going to defend it and we're going to defend it with our lives if we have to. Um, and in these bigger cities, that's what the police do. The police stand between the criminals and, and the, the citizens. You know, they're there to protect them and um, for it, they're, for the police to be disrespected like they are. And the police need the community behind them to help them. And when you have a really good sense of community and the neighbors and your community stand, you know, against this tyranny and against this terroristic acts that are happening on U.S. soil, uh, you know, it's all about accountability. You're holding your government accountable. Your citizens are more accountable. Your, you know, everything is just more accountable along the lines of, of common decency. And we're... So sorry about what happened to your husband, and uh, we honor him here tonight on Jesse Waters Primetime, and, and thanks for taking the time to join us. And So Ann Dorn, if you guys don't remember, uh, like she just stated, she was a police officer for over 20 years, and her husband, David Dorn, was, I think, retired. He was a retired police officer. A police officer, and he was going to help someone whose store had been broken into, yeah. and during the riots of 2020, he was killed. Yeah. And it was absolutely devastating yeah. to so many people going, wait a minute, here you have this multiracial couple who have served our nation as police officers and over something ridiculous, yeah. here David Dorn gets killed. And David Dorn being a black guy for our podcasters and Anne being a white woman, she's looking at this song going, this isn't about race. I don't care about color. This is about the way you should and should not act in America. Yeah, this week uh, we had another whistleblower come forward in, from the IRS. He's a gay man, and I guess like maybe 
the left kind of has to listen to him a little bit more, but no, NBC called him. When IRS uh, Supervisory Special Agent Greg Shapley, the agent, and Agent Joe Ziegler testified this week. Mo most honest observers were struck by how they stuck to the details and the facts of their investigation. Even in friendly questioning, they refused to make judgments about motivations or conditions. They were two of the most credible witnesses I've ever seen on the Hill. They were also the prototypical whistleblowers, civil servants who tried to raise concerns over special treatment and political interference internally and only came to Congress after such efforts failed. They were then both allegedly re- uh, uh, Taliated against by the Biden administration, yet in its coverage, NBC referred to them as so-called whistleblowers. That was not the disparaging description given to other such witnesses, including figures in the Trump impeachment. They were just whistleblowers or respected public servants. On Thursday's broadcast of NBC's MTP Now, NBC News Capitol Hill correspondent Ali Vitali discussed the new release of the one of the 1023 form to bolster these investigations that we saw them do earlier this week with IRS so-called whistleblowers about Hunter Biden. Figures like Joe Scarborough and MSNBC joined in the disparagement, calling them so-called whistleblowers. And we know that um, this IRS... If you and I were to, you know, write off one too many hot dogs, they would say you can only write 50% off of oh the food gosh. that you purchase when you are on a business trip. Exactly. I'm sorry. You took off a whole dollar for that hot dog and you were only allowed to do 50 cents. Now, 20 push-ups, 10 years in jail, and plus interest, $5 million on your 50 cent write-off for the hot dog. Don't mess with the hot dogs, man. You know what I mean? Um, you know, it's very interesting. I don't know why I said that about the hot dogs. But um, who's the senator from um, Utah, the one that nobody likes? The Mormon guy. Mitt Romney? Yeah. He, he it's like National Hot Dog Day, and he's like, everybody knows my favorite meat is hot dogs, and he pictures himself with a hot dog. It's very weird. Like, your favorite meat should never be a hot dog. That's what's wrong with you, Mitt. Like, are you sending subliminal messages that's just, like, super gross? Like, just never say that. Um, a gay couple demanded a surrogate mom abort her baby when she found out she had cancer. No way. So Can they do heart, that? No, they can't. A heartbroken surrogate mother in California, only in California, says a gay couple threatened her with a lawsuit if she refused to uh, refused to abort her unborn son that she was carrying. So Brittany Pearson th was 37 year, is 37 at, of Sacramento. Sacramento. She said the threats came after she was diagnosed with an aggressive form of breast cancer in her second trimester and that the baby is now dead. Town oh Hall my reports. gosh. It was frustrating because I wanted to give them a family. They said that they cared, but they didn't. I felt betrayed and heartbroken. So last year, Pearson said the gay couple hired her as a surrogate mother and she became pregnant with the baby boy. Then in May, she said she was diagnosed with cancer. Further testing showed the cancer was spreading and that she would need intensive chemotherapy that would jeopardize the unborn baby's life. The first thing I thought after I was diagnosed was I want to keep this baby safe and bring it earthside. I would have been there. I would have given him every chance of survival. I had people ready to help. Pearson was about 24 weeks pregnant at the time, meaning the baby potentially could survive outside the womb. However, she said the couple who hired her wanted the baby to be aborted and threatened legal action if she refused. Pearson said the men argued that the baby could have health problems if he was born prematurely. She said they did not want her or an adoption couple to raise the child either because their DNA would be out there. 
Pearson, who is raising four children of her own, said that the men also threatened to sue her agency and medical provider. According to the Daily Mail, at one point she claims her oncology team, after being threatened with legal action, said that they were not sure that they could give her chemo and would need to consult their own lawyers. Jennifer Law, president of the Senator Center for Bioethics and Culture, said Pearson contacted their organization in the midst of her troubles. She said Pearson wanted to give birth to the baby early and begin chemotherapy and save both lives. But California law recognizes the contracting intended parents in surrogacy arrangements as the legal parents. They alone can make decisions around the care of the baby, which is very strange that you can contract your body to someone else. I thought it was your body, your choice. There is never a time when you can contract your body that you, can, you can't uncontract your body. This is very strange. The rights of the mother to direct her own medical care are uh, undermined, not even allowing her to advocate for her own needs and the needs of the baby she's about to deliver. This is a very strange world. I thought that they were all about the rights of the mother and the rights I of her have... body and the rights. This is my body, my choice, my body, my choice. No, no, no. You must undergo a medical procedure. And we know that we, you do know that abortions can cause cancers and medical problems in a woman's future, that abortions are not just over. If you don't carry the, and the baby isn't born naturally or naturally miscarries, there are medical problems associated with abortions. So I don't want this to come out sounding the way that it would sound when you when when people look at women that that are very promiscuous, they go to bars, they hang out, they 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 dress very provocatively, they have the wrong type of friends and then they end up raped in that environment and people will go, "Oh, you were just asking for it. It's all your fault." I don't agree with that at all. 100% against that. However, Leah said something very important that I will again use as another caveat. There is no time at which you can ever contract. First of all, you can't ever contract your body. Second of all, there's no time at which you can contract your body that you can't uncontract it. That's number two. That being said, this lady has made two series of bad decisions and people can hate on me for the first one. And that's okay. We can agree to disagree. But I don't believe in surrogacy. No, it's abomination to God. God shows throughout the Bible that you should not do it. Okay? Well, and even there's two things with the surrogacy. Number one, in vitro fertilization is Which absolutely is wrong. Which is also not of God. Because you're creating all kinds of lives that sit there in uh, cryogenic chambers or whatever. What are you cryogenic, Cry but cryogenic yes. Cryogenic chambers. So and you've got in vitro fertilization. Yeah. Um, you then have somebody else's that you're not related to the, the surrogacy aspect of it, which is your not body. biblical. And then to top it all off, you are about to give this child. Oh, that wait, we're on Facebook. I'm going to be careful with what I say. We can just leave Facebook. No, we got plenty of people watching. You are about to leave your, give your child to people who did not actually created in a loving mother and father union very well said leah faith leah's middle name is faith so i Every, don't want to say i don't feel sorry for this lady because i actually do was a child dead but i will say this that this woman made a slew of very wrong choices in life and in this specific situation 
And this is the fruit well, let me, of bad decisions. So um, when you open the door to the devil, the devil will wreak havoc so in Chloe, your life. Chloe Kardashian, she's um, a married woman, and she had somebody carry a baby for her and took him. And she said it just felt wrong. She said it felt wrong. But it she feels wrong anyway. to take somebody else's child. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, somebody else birthed this. She was in the hospital and the baby didn't You know why I'm against mom. surrogacy? Besides the fact that it's anti-biblical? Because there are millions of kids out there yeah. who need loving parents. Yeah. Full stop. Yeah. Okay? Well, and it's. I feel like it is very selfish and prideful and arrogant to say, I want to raise somebody with my DNA. I want them to look like me. And they're actually creating babies. Well, people could say that about married heterosexual couples. Like, why don't you just adopt kids? Why are you going to have them physically? Well, because when you've reached that road and it's not going to happen yeah. and to say, I want to take this other step and I want a baby just to look like me. I don't want to adopt a baby. I want right. one to look like me. Right. Then you go to those other medical steps. Exactly. Okay. And I don't... I think that it is selfish and arrogant when you're when you're saying I um I don't want to adopt I want somebody to look like me when you can't have a child it's very 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 weird very wrong like you the cards weren't dealt to you and you don't get to go and be like now play God well and see again going back to the Bible because you guys know that well we and what I was going to say was that in addition to just saying I want a baby to look like me or I want I want a baby to like. I don't think about, and people shouldn't think, I want to marry somebody so that, like a concert pianist, so that I have a kid who's a concert pianist. Like, Well, no, but this is strange. So, Leah, you, when you open up the door to these adoption realms and the surrogacy and the whole nine yards, they start to they, they go into this. your health. They go into everything about you. Did you did you have parents that were alcoholics? I mean, they go into all of that, right? What kind of things? So you are like your father was an engineer. Exactly. You're essentially trying to build a child. Now, the, another... They're actually doing that, though, with the DNA. I know. Like, they're picking... Another thing that's that's very terrible about this situation, and then we go back to... They want to be able to legalize abortion, and their number one argument every single time is, what about it's cases of rape and incest? Are you going to force them to carry that child? That's their only argument. And yet when we say, actually, we'll talk about rape and incest later, but most people are getting abortions for the wrong reasons. Oh, no, they're not. No, they're not. This couple wanted this woman to kill a child so it didn't get a cancer gene? Or to be born sick, which that's not even a thing, by the way. So this is where the this is where the argument leads. So anyone that is on the fence or borderline on abortion, so you have to be yeah. at level zero because if you give them an inch, it ends up with if that child had been born, they could just kill it. So I want you to kind of maybe put yourself in this is a real situation. So the doctors are actually trying to help too. So Pearson, the woman's doctors found a family who was willing to adopt the baby. So in these rooms and she's dealing with these chemo doctors and she's like, I have this baby and what do I do? And I don't want to do this chemo. And the doctors are like, I have a family who will adopt this baby. 
and, and these are con this is a real conversation. These are real people, okay? And uh, but the couple who hired her refused and asked that no life-saving measures be performed on the baby if he was born alive. Pearson told the Daily Mail she found a hospital that would deliver the baby, but would not elaborate on whether or not the procedure was inducement or termination, or whether or not the fetus was born alive. She could only confirm that it has died since the baby was born on Father's Day. My mother got to hold him and take pictures, but he did not the did not survive. And she decided to share her public her story publicly because she doesn't want anybody else to suffer through such a terrible experience. Leal uh, Leal uh, expressed sympathy for the woman and the baby boy whom she carried, saying, "This case highlights many of the problems with contracted, largely commercial pregnancy." Other surrogates in the U.S. have also come forward publicly to share how they felt pressured to have an abortion by the couples who hired them. One, Crystal Kelly, fought back and refused the $10,000 offered her to abort the ba her, ba her baby girl. Later, the girl was adopted into a loving home. And many countries ban or strictly limit surrogacy because it presents so many legal and ethical problems. However, the United States is one exception, and there are no federal laws actually regulating this practice. Wow. Salty Mama says, absolutely heartbreaking. Don't do deals with the devil. It leads to transhumanism. Look where we are at. So um, I had some tape clips up, but I don't know if I really want to play them right now. Um, we've had a pretty long show. What we've else had a very long show. Um, so we're going to maybe I want to read it. this comment from Nana Yaffa. My son was given a 0.0008% chance of conceiving with his a wife, I'm assuming. And we prayed for his swimmers to be supercharged. Supercharged and swimmers. And Lily was Lily turned one in February. Woo, that's amazing. That's awesome. Praise God. Um, there's a couple just a couple side stories here. Um, propane is dangerous, y'all. Uh, they literally became become missiles. Fiery explosion near Phoenix Airport damages 30 cars. I think a about propane this. business near Phoenix Sky Harbor Airport went up into flames Thursday evening last night, resulting in a fiery explosion. It's not one up. It's from okay. Zero Hedge, but you can bring it up. Uh, that damaged at least 30 cars and caused propane tanks to fly through the air. At approximately 5 p.m., crews were dispatched. Uh, to Bill's propane service near the airport after Arizona family reported seeing a fire. After he arrived, firefighters found the business engulfed in massive flames while propane tanks threw, threw, flew through the air. You know, we have a grill outside that we use, and we also have um, one of those propane fire Let me do it really things. quick and easy for you. And uh, I do, I worry about it. A little bit like I I'm do. like this is dangerous and then also I use a small propane tank to um light my bee smoker when I go out into my bees oh, and I one. think about I think about I'm like this is like a little bomb you know mm -hmm. like essentially that's what it is they don't need to see it unless you want to show them oh uh, there was a video of it but I don't know I think they can use their imagination there it is there it is and then there was um something else you're gonna bring up yep yeah, these two last stories okay all right so let's so see the massive propane fire. Jesus, oh, so scary. But this was the whole, like a whole. This was a propane business. Yeah, exactly. I mean, not so, not so much like going to happen at home. That's like intense. How do you even attack something like that? This video is fast forwarded, yes, by the way. It's, it's really sped up. No fire is quite like that. <laughs> But I don't know if that's like a propane into like a propane, like a major propane tank. It's just going. Jeez. So scary. 
crazy story. So this is kind of your worst nightmare when you're on an airplane. Is this the one we're going to next? Yeah, the airplane one. Medics called after Delta bakes jet full fuel jet. Wait, hang on. There were people stuck on a plane and medics were called a Delta plane. Okay. So a federal inquiry is underway after passengers aboard a Delta Airlines jet were forced to endure soaring cabin temperatures as they waited. How is this title supposed to be read? This sentence. Medics called after Delta bakes jet full of passengers on Vegas runway for three hours. So Delta uh, bakes as in a verb. Yes. Delta is baking these passengers. I get it. All right. So, uh, for three hours, uh, after people aboard began falling victim, the flight was canceled with multiple people evaluated by paramedics and two taken to the hospital. The miserable experience happened Monday on Delta Flight 555, which was bound for Atlanta. Fox News field producer Krista Garvin happened to be aboard the flight and chronicled the torture on Twitter. According to Garvin, the flight was initially delayed for need of a flight attendant before the passengers and crew had to endure sweltering heat on a day when the temperatures in Vegas reached 114. She says... Delta, what an insane experience. We were first delayed because you did not have a flight attendant. Then we finally board and sit for almost three hours on a hot plane in 111 degree weather. Now we are heading back to the gate because people are passing out. We are um, being told something. I don't know where You can probably click on this, the, the, these ones. It's usually an embed. You can get off, but there isn't another flight out of Atlanta for days. This is actually nuts. Paramedics are on now. I've seen a total of three people wheeled out so far. <laughs> Oxygen tanks are being pulled out. They said to press your call button if you need medical assistance. Babies are screaming, crying. They're handing out sandwiches to the diabetics. I am just in shock. And you can just play a little of that video. This is the best that our uh, cooling is going to occur while passengers are, passengers are on the aircraft. Alright, everyone, I finally decided to take everyone off because too many people were sick and they want to try to cool down the plane. Uh, we've now been told the crew has fallen ill and we will be delayed until the further. The crew notice. is then ill? Oh my gosh. Wow. That's that incredible. It's crazy. Yeah, that's not fun. That does not sound like a, an enjoyable flight experience. No, and then I just, I wanted to read to you, oh, I want to play the Jim Caviezel Moses clip. Oh, the where he's talking about Trump. Donald Trump was the new. Boss. This is this is so hilarious. I have not actually seen this clip. Let me close out some of these. Um, we'll do that. take close that one down. But Leah okay. was telling me about it, and I've seen Jim post about this kind of stuff on Instagram since he met with Trump. And Leah and I were saying that it does seem as if Jim's fangirling a little bit about Trump, but it's still fun. We have to do a lot more, and we got to start with Donald Trump. What do you mean? Well, he's got to be in there because he's going to go after the traffickers. Do you think he would? Do you think he understands that? Uh, I, I, we, were, we were with him last night. Oh, I didn't know that. Minister, yes. Yeah. Oh, we so showed, he's going to be moved to do this, do something. I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. He wasn't he's here gonna, last night. This is the new Moses. I mean, I'm still Jesus, but he's the new Moses. <laughs> Pharaoh, let my children go free. All right. I did not know that was an impressive screening at Bedminster, I guess. Yeah. Uh, Eduardo, okay. Jim Caviezel, great to see that. you again. I... What he's saying is that no other president, no other candidate is taking this seriously. Exactly. And when you have seen, and he's been in these interviews, and he's like, they let me see the videos. They let me hear the videos. When you hear those children screaming and nobody is setting these kids free. Yeah. He's like, Donald Trump is saying that, and and he was supposed to be in there in 2020, and we've had four years of kids being sex trafficked and abused 
over and over again because nobody's doing it. He's like, yes, Moses has set people free. He's yeah. got to do this to go get people free. Now, this was just funny for me. Um, this person posts a, a tweet, uh, uh, something of what uh, an Instagram girl does to her body and face in order to make money. So all those girls that you're seeing on Instagram with the perfect shapes and the perfect face and the perfect hair. Okay. Let me not us very clearly, not us, not us. So, um, obviously I never have the perfect hair and that I, I just, you know, I usually come back. I usually come in from doing something outside and I try very not hard. You don't try um, at all today. You, I really tried. I tried to get a cool a, hairdo. That's your effort. Yes. I really, are you being mean? No, I'm being, I love it. I tried to do, did you see, like I was nice. trying to do oh, like a so thing, great. like a hair thing yeah and i really i really like the only thing i can usually do is head it down it's just so darn hot down here it is i just wanted to wear it up i just keep I like sweating it. no i thought you looked really nice we had no, compliments you just at the start of the show of me. no i'm just saying that that doesn't look like it required a lot of effort you put a bun on top of your head and moved your bangs to the side no it took effort did it okay yes it looks nice this is why i'm concerned with young women a culture that obsesses with over unattainable physical beauty all right. So the me bring up one of these, the first yeah. one. So here it has. Being Let me read one. Okay. Being hot is really, really a full-time job. I work as a model influencer. I'm not big time, but I work with an agency and make a living this way. And I want to start by saying I am 95% fake and almost everyone is first. And I know where we are. I want it wanted to say something for all of the girls who probably felt the way I did at 15 to 18, comparing themselves to girls on social media. One, it's all fake, fake on top of fake. The girls you see not only have cosmetic surgery, but they are all using face app and filters on top of being altered. Two, even girls you see, for example, on TikTok who don't look like they have filters on, use them in another app, then move to TikTok. Number three, a great way to remember that everything is fake is to ask yourself how often you see girls who are as hot as the ones you see online in real life. I live in LA and I still never do. Even working as being the paid being uh, the paid as an influencer slash model and knowing how fake it is, I will still have my moments of insecurity based on what I see online. Procedures. This is what I've done as a 22-year-old year old female, small time influencer slash model. This is, this is, I would say standard. And all of these girls use filters on top of it. Hard max, rhinoplasty, chin implant, preventative Botox in forehead, plus 11s, 20 slash you every three months. Wow. B Botox brow lift to raise my brows, 10 slash you. I don't even know what that is. You don't have to read the amounts. Side every three months. Cheek filler, just almost all of my mid cheek, age six months. Masseter Botox. You said age. Each, what did I say? Age. Each month. Every six months. Breast implants, silicone with internal bra. Whatever, whatever, whatever that is. I don't even know what this soft max is. Invisalign, okay. So that's her teeth. Tooth whitening uh, with 16%. You don't have to read all that. Just tooth, tooth whitening, shaping, every... yoga workout six times a week. Brow lamination. Lamination. What is Lam that? Lam Every lamination. What is brow lamination? Brow lamination. Clearly, we know nothing about this. Eyelash lift and tint every six weeks. What are you tinting? I have no idea. Spray tan weekly. Hydrofacial every three weeks. I don't even know what tretinoin 
I don't is even know. A Manny and Petty every three weeks. Your pet your manicure lasts three weeks. That's impressive. Highlights with sew-in extensions, maintenance every six weeks. My natural hair is already already at 22 inches. I use one weft to add tons of volume to my hair. I would say my base starting point was slightly above average. This is the level of maintenance I need to do and money I need to spend to maintain being a hot, hot girl and have a career focused on my appearance. On top of all this, I do still edit my pictures. My manager runs my social media and would never approve of a picture that wasn't perfectly edited. To put this in perspective, cost of one year maintaining all of this and permanent surgery, I have had $67,500. Cost of permanent and non-maintenance procedures, including Invisalign is $38,000. Cost of transformation, if someone got all the surgery, spray tan ones, Botox extensions, all together, $43,500. She says, you're not ugly, just poor is very true. I wasn't born with money. I built a career as an influencer, reinvested money to make myself hotter, to make more money, then made more money as an influencer, then reinvested more money to make myself hotter, and on the cycle goes. So I, wow. I said, I wash my face, and I put a little lotion on it. Ah! I brush my teeth and I floss. <laughs> I run and I walk and I garden. I pluck some unruly eyebrows and I usually brush my hair. Uh, cost, I don't keep track. It's called normal life. And um, any money that we get, you know, people seem to come and want to listen. So uh, we put the money into tech. That's true. So we don't. Our tech but, is expensive. But we do have a slight beauty tiny secret, and that is. Now is the time Leah just got to it. Oh my gosh. No, seriously though, guys. OBE, Organic Body Essentials. Let me pull up the website so you guys can get to it. Um, and th that's not what But I let me break on. down the cost. Go to Organic Body Essentials. And I want you guys to see the, um, she, she has a organic uh, grapeseed mask. So I'm going to have to move my ad because I rearranged the screen. Hang on. And there's a little set that I I recommend you get. And men and women, it's really no, this fun. No, it actually is. So uh, you put the mask on your face like once a week. And then you do the sugar essential oil facial scrub. I use a little soap with it. And then so. Let me screen share. Hang on. And it all comes in one cool little set. Oh, there's. And so. Uh, there, we're not the only influencers to use this. Hang on, I want to pull this up so you guys can see the um, the ad there. Now I can't actually find it. So all right, it's at the top. Go. No, my ad for the organic body essentials. No, it's we're on a different page. Anyway, so the the set that you're talking about, Leah, is this one? Is right this here. one okay? So this luxury face package. You've got the um, the sugar scrub. The sh the, the, no, the, mask. the mask. The sugar scrub and then this the flawless face so serum. i use the flawless face serum every day and i do this about once a week and it seems expensive so you it's, lied this in is, your tweet i know i said lotion you didn't tell them lotion. that you used organic, organic body essentials so here's here's what's funny here's what's funny so uh, these it sounds expensive but it's a hundred bucks but these each will last about three months so it's literally my facial routine is a dollar a day <laughs> thirty dollars a month okay the it seems but like we, it's not because we do use some of these other products as well though like the facial toner and the melt away makeup taking off your makeup and stuff like that some of that stuff and then my favorite thing um that i have i don't talk about very much is the um hydrosol 
I absolutely and you can love spray that one stuff. on your hair. You can spray it on your hair. So we have Vicky Natale come on our show quite frequently. Honestly, we need to have um, her back on because her she prays over her products. She got the recipe for these products by praying. They're Wait, all organic. I do. This is great, but I do need to add one caveat. In addition to brushing my teeth and and here it comes and and brushing my teeth and brushing my we hair. highlight our hair. I do invest about every three to six months in a ten to twelve dollar box of highlighter. That's what I was getting at. Yeah, which we need so, to do again. We're, look at your roots are growing. Up. I know. So that is the beauty routine of resistance chicks. Yeah. And now you've had the, all the inside secrets. Yeah. Yeah. I only mean, we I, and I, we just cut our own hair. We do well. And Leah's hair, all of this, that's not a haircut. That's what grew out from all the hair you lost from COVID, COVID, and we still we need to cut it. So there's the the beauty routine. So if you want to use the Resistance Chicks beauty routine, which the Extreme Face Day and Night Cream, which we didn't talk about that. Um, there are other amazing. products on there. Yes. Absolutely amazing lotion. Um, go to I do use organicbodyessentials.com and use promo code RC. And it's not just for the chicks. It's not just for girls. No. Which I hate the term hot, by the way. It's hot down here, so technically we are hot chicks. Because it's we have a dehumidifier that we're running, and it heats up our basement. Our basement is normally super cool and awesome. like It feels amazing, but we're running the dehumidifier, and so it's, it's like warm down here. So technically we're hot. But I hate that term, hot. It's very derogatory, and I would never want to use it about myself. I guess that chicks kind of is too. But chicks isn't. It's funny. You can also go to OBE dot organicbodyessentials.com put that OBE in front of it. it stands for organic body essentials OBE dot organicbodyessentials.com and you can get what has literally saved my life I was thinking about and that and that's the that's the um the, the extreme turpins the extreme turpins I was thinking about that when I my back used to go out all the time and like muscle spasms and it'd be very painful and I hadn't done it in a while and everybody else has been using the um this this is it CBD oil CBD oil and but she's got more really, in it really than just CBD oil so it's that you have to it's not just like getting CBD oil from anybody else her terpenes hers are mixed with terpenes and they're totally different like yeah. it, and I'm telling you I I broke my ankle when I was 15 I always kind of walked like my ankle kind of out and it's kind of affected my hip and this, the extreme terpenes is literally the only thing that helps. I've tried everything. I've tried exercises. I've tried anti-inflammatory stuff. And literally within three hours of using this stuff, there's three I'm different good to go. kinds of, there's CBD, CBC, CBG. Right. And then. It's hemp extract. Plant derived terpenes. Yeah. So and a I'm proprietary just you, blend of essential oils for flavor. And I. My back, mm -hmm. I took it and my back within two days was back to normal. And I right. felt it within 24 hours. I was like, what? so Vicki Natalie approached us and she's like, I want to send you my products. And we were at the moment of truth summit last year with Mike Lindell. And we we're like, okay, you know, we don't really do products. We've sold, we're now kind of selling some, my pillow. We talk about the Brighteon store, but she's like, I want you. And I was kind of like off, like not put off. Cause she's a very, we just she's a very to, kind we just and amazing like person, but I just don't like to sell stuff. And she's like, just let me send it to you. So she sent it and we had her on our show and I, and we tried out the face mask and instantly and it took like five years off awesome of Leah's face. Lip balms. And I was like, oh my gosh, like your face looks amazing. And I, and so then we started using the products that she sent and I was, and I, I was like, oh shoot, we, we have to sell this stuff now. It's too good not to. 
So that's how it ended up coming to be. It because just, ladies, you're just opening that, it smells so good. And my lips are like, like tingly. tingly. That's the lavender one. That's my favorite, the minty lavender. Her minty lavender, lavender is way better than any lavender that I've ever gotten from any essential oil place ever. And we do Young Living. Yeah. No, and that's just the thing. Like, I like being able to contract uh, with other patriot patriot groups, but with things that you already need, like. That's like, I like Mike Adams because you already need to buy toothpaste and you need mm -hmm. your athazanthin and things like that. Um, but ladies are all going to Estee Lauder or Dove or you're going, I mean, it's a multi-billion dollar business. But it, so I, I actually. No, without people, without it being organic, without it being prayed over. Yeah. Um, and without being able to support podcasters and things that, i mean and also every purchase that you make doesn't just support resistance chicks but it, it supports his glory ministries his glory. as well 10 which is just glory. absolutely huge yeah. i'm gonna let you guys in on a little secret though what's that i've never said this on air about the obe stuff but i'm gonna say it okay so when we have a big event that we're doing or we're going to it's it's a really important thing for us to go to that's when i do the facial stuff because it's expensive and I get that. Like, it seems expensive, I should say. It's not expensive for what you get. But I am, a, we're, Lee and I are the queens of cheap. Like, we can serve. And so, as far as the actual face mask goes, that the earthy face mask, I save that for the big events that we're doing because it literally makes my face look like I've just gone and had something done to it like for like three or four days. Yeah. And so, I will wait and do it then. It's not something that I maintain because if I'm walking dogs or gardening, you guys don't need to see on air that I look what I look like. You can't tell. But seeing people in person, it makes a big that's, difference. It makes a huge difference. It's and so that's, off, I saved it's it for that. off layers and grime and gunk. Like my pores are all shrunken. It brightens your face. It pulls out all the dirt and grime that you don't even know we're sitting in. So anyway, I've never said that to you guys because I, I want it to seem like I use it all the time. That specific thing. I would I use, if I saw people in person that so mattered use, all the time. I use the the, the sugar scrub yeah. more often. Oh, yeah. And I use the um, oil I use the flawless face serum twice a day, in the every morning day. And the evening. Um, that's what I use. I actually uh, stopped using lotion on my face, and I just used that. Yeah. What? Tell them about how I was getting before before this stuff from her how my crow's feet were really bothering me. And you're like, Michelle, you can't be a vain person. And I'm like, yeah, but these crow's feet, can't we do something about it? And I tried a couple of different things and they kind of worked like vitamin C serum and stuff. And it kind of did okay. And then when the flaw, and then the flawless face serum literally landed in my lap, like a gift from God. And so I have an excuse to use it because I need to tell you guys about it. Absolutely. It's not because I in vain. am vain and care about the crow's feet that were approaching my eyeballs. You know right. what I'm saying? All right. So, Leah, do you have any other stories or is that the end of our nope, show? Nope. That's it. All right. So, here's the deal, guys. Let me drop this back down. Do you guys like the new little thing that I made there for the new logo in the background? But I, I'm going to have to figure out where I'm going to put it because if I put it in the center, then it messes up my little ad there. Um, yesterday. I'm going to get serious for a second. We aired. I'm going to pull this up so you guys can see this. We aired an interview that we did the day before about East Palestine and this where this years. hazardous. So they are backlogged already. 
We're at a million gallons they still have to process. Right. Of Abby mixed East Palestine and other. So you guys can just see the, the little intro. the county and I look there's no case there is no litigation it is the threat of litigation so the bullies are saying if you don't give me what I want we're gonna sue you and let's face it they're multi-millionaires or or more so Ross is on their way to, to sue the township threatening to sue the township if they get a no answer on this and, and the township let him sue well what the township can't afford I'm we assuming can't we can't afford it financially. We couldn't afford it. And they could drag it on for years to so the point So can where... everybody do this? So can I just threaten to sue the township for anything that I want? Well, if you had enough money. Well, exactly. You're... It's money. And here's the it's thing. It's the money. It's privatizing profits and socializing risk. And it's happening all over the place. Companies with money are just doing whatever they want to do. And if they don't get their way, they sue. And the little people like us can't do a whole lot about it. All the power wow. is in zoning. And in the past, we thought we had power in zoning. No more. Because our zoning laws, like if something passes zoning, EPA told me this, if something passes zoning and it goes to the EPA and it's zoned properly, the EPA can't say no as long as their request falls within the guidelines of the law. As long as their request falls within the guidelines of the law. Guidelines. So that is that episode that we have done. It is an exclusive. No one has this story yes. in on the whole internet. I'm trying to spread it and share it to my friends that are influencers because this story needs to be shared. That I need to get these women on multiple programs. If you guys can help me do that, if you know of anybody that would be willing to have them on their on their show, the East Palestine Waste. And I'm 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 holding this um, our videos up because I also want you guys to go and check out Patriot Gallery. She did a three part series last night. She went live, um, and so I want you guys to check that out. Um, on Rumble. So Patriot Gallery does amazing videos. I prefer to listen to her on 1.25 time or one and a half time because I think she sounds more chutzpah-y. Um, But I know that you guys love our mom's shows. So I haven't listened to those yet, but I know they're awesome because the ones that she did earlier this week are just absolutely phenomenal. And so I want to encourage you guys to go check those out. But anyway, the East Palestine Waste has been contracted, a portion of it at least, to go to Ross Environmental in Ohio, in the, in the community that these women live in. It's illegal for Ross to be storing this waste, and yet they are storing it, and they're storing it along with a total of 1 million gallons that they have had this temporary allotment or allowment to be able to store when they're not supposed to be able to store it, by the way this hazardous waste, and they are seeking to expand. And I want you guys to, to listen to this story because these women are like, we don't want this in our city. And the zoning resolution that is about to be passed gives carte blanche to Ross Environmental, which is one of those big, big, big industries, billion dollars, I'm sure, that will essentially allow them to do whatever they want in this land that they're trying to expand into. 
The history of corruption is questionable. I'll say that. By, by this company. This company has given donations to the tune of $4 million to the county fairgrounds just last year alone. And it has all these connections to the trustees. So I am asking you guys a big ask, a huge ask, a big, 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 giant ask on this one. Because this is, again, like I said, resistance chicks, breaking news, breaking a story. No one on, did I say no one on the internet is talking about this? No podcaster, no one. This is, we literally broke a story yesterday. I want you guys to watch that video and share the heck out of it. And then in the description of the video and on our website, which you can share our website version of it as well, because it has the rumble link embedded in it. And there's more information on the actual website on resistancechicks.com on this program. Contact the people in Lorain County. I've got all of their email addresses and I've got the phone numbers for the trustees in Eaton Township and ask them not to pass this. They are being strong-armed. Ross Environmental has threatened to sue Eaton Township if they do not pass this, and the people don't want it. They've been having meeting after meeting after meeting after meeting of this, and the trustees are poised to pass this. And there are three dudes, Jason, Jason Monchin, Steve Franks, and I think Matt... I want to say his last name is Higgs or Higgins. I've got it all in the description of that video. I called them all yesterday or Wednesday after we did this interview. I left a message with one. The other one's voicemail was full. And I did talk to Steve Franks. And I asked them if they had any comment before we aired this. And he said, according to my attorney, no comment. I am asking you guys to do something very, very rare that I never, ever ask you to do. Like literally ever. Contact these trustees. Send them emails. Call them and ask them not to pass this. Tell them that they have our support, that if Ross Environmental goes to sue Eaton Township, that we will raise Kane and we will fight for them. Like this is huge. And then I'm asking you to share that video with every influencer, every podcaster, Infowars, you name it, send it to everybody and tell them, please Talk about this. Please contact these women. Have them on your show. Because we made a big stink about East Palestine and no one's talking about where the waste is going. It's like, oh, we're so upset about the train derailment, but where's the waste going? And then the story gets, like I said, even more nefarious and way deeper than you can possibly imagine. Our interview with Elizabeth and Karen barely scratches the surface for how deep this goes. These big hazardous waste incinerating companies across America are poisoning people and they are killing people and nobody is holding them accountable. And when townships like Eaton Township say, we don't want this in our township, well, they'll just sue. And they have the money and the township doesn't. And so all of this gets swept under the rug by the big old boys club. Meanwhile, we are poisoning our waterways. We are poisoning our cities. This is an Aaron Brockovich story. I am telling you, it's an Aaron Brockovich story. We blew the whistle on it yesterday. Now I need you guys to do the rest of the work. I'm contacting as many people as I can. Please get these women on the show. Please showcase this story. This is one of the biggest things that Resistance Chicks has ever done. So I need you guys to help me with the rest of it. So if you're watching on Facebook, 
You can share the Facebook video. It's on Facebook. If you're watching on Rumble, go grab the Rumble link and share it with every influencer, every podcaster, every person, every, especially if you live in Ohio. And then go to the description of the video on Rumble or on resistancechicks.com. I don't think that the contact information is on our description on Facebook. They don't leave you a lot of room for that. And I want you guys to contact these officials. I did it. And I need you guys to help us with that too. This is a very, very big deal. And I appreciate you guys. And I value you. And I'm so glad that you're on my team. I'm glad that we have the Resistance Chicks family. Scott Kesterson calls his people an army. Well, you guys are an army too. Just a different kind. But I like to call you family because you feel like it. And so I wouldn't be asking this big of a deal if it weren't important. And also, guys, asking for prayer as well. I don't, I'm not afraid of anything. Literally, I'm not afraid of anything. As long as I'm in the will of God, I fear nothing. However... Without going into too big of a detail, there was a woman that broke a story like this that's kind of connected to this who ended up dead. And these people mean business. They are full of Satan. They are as evil as evil gets. And so we need to pull them down. So take that video and share it and share it and share it and share it and share it. So I think that's it that I have for the end of the show. And I want to thank you guys for all of your support ahead of time for doing it because I know that you guys will. Uh, Wicked Psyched over on Rumble says, the politicians tell people it's free money from the government, not realizing they are paying for it, not to mention all they care about is money. Biffmo says, did you contact J.D. Vance? I live in Summit County. I have no way of contacting J.D. Vance other than his regular avenues, which I will do. Um, but I don't have any kind of personal inside way of getting to him. So any, if anybody else does, let me know. Um, the town wants grants from the federal government because they mismanaged their money and depended on the federal bailing them out. Um, if they do what they say, they don't care. They want money through a grant. I don't know which, what you're talking about there. Uh, maybe there's another comment up there that I'm missing. Um, so, all right, you guys, I'm going to say good night. Uh, we love you guys. God loves you. God bless. Remember, it's not just a conspiracy theory. If it's the truth, uh, beautiful Nana, let's, was there a birthday that I missed? Oh, oh, to the little girl. Okay. Uh, Wicked Psych all, says earlier, it's always people who want to sacrifice others for the greater good that scare me. Very, very well said there. Um, James says, thanks again for another weekly wrap-up show, ladies. Always entertaining and informative. Okay, so here's the deal. This coming week, you'll be tuning in for our world news program every Sunday at 1.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And then on Wednesday... For another kingdom, or not king, well, Monday night, you can tune into the Kingdom Roundtable. We restream that on our Rumble channel as well. But on Wednesday, for our Revelation Red Pill Wednesdays, this week was absolutely phenomenal with Corey Gray, Rob Allen, and Jason Heidinger. Oh my gosh, home run, knocked it out of the park, deliverance at the end of the show. The entire program was just absolutely incredible. So if you missed that, go back and tune into that as well. And then of course, we want to see you guys live on Wednesday because we love having you guys in the live chat. It means so much to us to have your comments and to know that you guys are right there with us. Like I can't even tell you. So we love hearing from you. If you want to send us your letters, we do have a couple of things we need to do a mail call. We'll try to remember to do that on Sunday. PO box 107 Milford, Ohio 45150. And if you do send us your letters, just know we will read them on air. Um, so, all right, you guys, good night. Be blessed. I hope you have a wonderful and blessed weekend. Try to stay cool out there. I know we've had some heat waves and we've got one coming to Ohio ourselves. Pray for the TV people. They still don't have air conditioning, which you know what? Old fashioned. I get it. Go without air. It's fine. Everybody's fine. We're all fine here. All right. Bye guys. Good night. God bless.
what you call my 